0: It's Tuesday, December twentieth, twenty twenty-two, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast.
1: Monkey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules.
2: Today, Junior America Steak for Breakfast. So stand by.
0: This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs, mm. rubs barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again can be found at ManRubs.com and on Instagram, ManRubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. They're at StayReadyGear.com and on Instagram, Stay Ready gear USA. Holsters, custom kydex, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on-and-off-duty gear. Hot melted plastic made just for you. Need something custom? They got you covered.
3: Use the code STEAK five percent off don't get ready stay ready the pillow king of minnesota and the apparatus known as the my pillow family cranking out comfort rest and relaxation this christmas season when you're talking about my pillows my slippers my dog beds and giza dream everything and a promo code stake at checkout you're going to get up to 80 percent off damn more of a morning person they've launched my coffee it's available in the bag the bean and the pod and a promo code steak there. You're going to get 25% off your order, 50% off a monthly subscription. Mypillow.com forward slash steak for everything sleep related. Mystore.com forward slash steak for everything coffee related. Or you can always talk to a qualified pillow representative. 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment specializing in headphones can only be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming. Potting. On the Holiday Road? Oh. Get those of your needs taken care of and done upright. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Our good friend Alan has launched the Patriot Cigar Company. Age three years, hand-rolled, leaves picked from the fields of Nicaragua, right next to where Mike Lindell picks his coffee beans. You're going to enter promo code STAKE HERE. Christmas special, 25% off your order. MyPatriotCigars.com is the website a premium smoke for freedom loving patriots Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has been servicing Southern California for over a decade he's a licensed FFL if you're into the tradesies and don't live in Canada he's also got a five star rating his newly redesigned easy to use website is westcoastsurvivalarms.com he's on Facebook messenger and via the telephone 619-870-6992 steak for breakfast backs the blue we love our first responders and they're always working hard while they're off-duty, they're probably wearing gear from Mediocre Medic. Sweatshirts, t-shirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more. Stickers and patches for while they're on the beat. Plus, they've got a pretty fire IG. Mediocre Medic.com is the website there. And last but certainly not least, the gold standard of tactical flair and home. The Zero Fuck Stuck. You got yours yet? Go check them out. Dumpbox.us is the website. Find them on Instagram. Find him on Facebook. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast or on the website at SteakforBreakfastPodcast.com. There you'll find a link tree that'll take you to all our social medias, the website, our newest Substack, Telegram channel, and more. On that note, to everyone joining us today in the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app, from the Republican High Command Discord, and now via our verified accounts on Twitter, Getter, and Truth Social. Welcome. Tuesday edition. Christmas week edition. Steak for Breakfast Podcast episode 197. I'm Ron. Noah's here. Yo. So's Antoinette. Hi, guys. We've even got a little Alan Jacoby. Good morning. Buckle up. We've got some great guests coming in. A lot of breaking news. But before we get to any of that, let's jump into a little bit of a meaningful Christmas message. Jumping in first with us today, right off the top, she's the founder of the Patriot Freedom Project, a group dedicated to bringing awareness to the plight of those being politically persecuted from January 6th. Joining us again on the show, one of our great friends, Miss Cynthia Hughes. Thanks for coming back on.
4: Hi, guys. Thank you for having me.
3: Oh, it's always our pleasure to host you, ma'am. How's everything going on your end?
4: It's getting busier and busier by the second, you know, with this crazy DOJ ramping up the arrests and, uh, you know, people just all over the country looking for a solution and help. And, uh, you know, so I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to spread the word
3: well, that's what we're going to kind of assist with here today on, on Steak for Breakfast. We don't have that much holiday cheer to, to spread around, but what we can do, we most certainly will. Why don't you give us an update on currently, broad brush, where we stand right now?
4: So, there's, there's so many things to touch on. Um, let's see. Um, we had a big uh, Christmas event two weeks ago in D.C. Um, the great Marjorie Taylor Greene came and she addressed uh, the few families that we brought in, um, you know, for the event uh, we also were filming, we're making a docu-series about the families, um, you know, the, the wives, the children. Um, Alex Brusowitz is uh, producing that um, through his media company. So it was a busy time, busy week. We had a good turnout, um, and we were able to help a lot of families uh, because of that event. Thank you to the great donors in this country. Um, the first Proud Boy trial is underway. It started yesterday. They're uh, in jury selection as we speak. Um, we had the Oathkeeper trial wrap up. We got a verdict back on all five. Um, two were found guilty of seditious conspiracy, three were found not guilty of it. Um, I take that as a win for our side. Um, but I did get word yesterday that um, there are 3,000 warrants circulating, um, and they include. Um warrants for some really high profile people and top officials. And in light of what came down yesterday from you know the clown committee um, and their final uh, sentiments, I'm concerned for certain people in this country. Um, and uh you know, and the, and the average you know, everyday American who went to the Capitol on January 6 to hear their, Um, their favorite president and support him Um, they're going after people that didn't even go inside the building now so it's really really very concerning and very alarming
3: Oh, it's uh, it, it certainly is. It's very disturbing news that you said. Some of the other things, me and you talked offline the other day. You said they were moving this close to the holiday, some of the January 6th detainees around the country, uh, sometimes without the knowledge of their family beforehand. So there's a very big possibility that some of the people who are currently in detention now might not have the opportunity to talk or see their family members uh, for Christmas. Is that correct?
4: That is correct. And and let me just uh, you know, touch on something you just said. When you say that they won't see their family members, they won't see their family members because there are still two years later, no in-person visits allowed. Um, And a lot of these jails do not offer video visits. Um, So especially in the DC jail, there has been no in-person visits and no video visits at all. So you're talking, you know, men that are in that jail who are fathers have not physically seen their children in two years now. Um, But we just got word, two days ago, um, that there were several J6 defendants that were moved out of the Northern Neck Regional Jail in Warsaw, Virginia, and nobody knows where they are. We think they might be in Pennsylvania or Oklahoma or in Pennsylvania heading to Oklahoma. Oklahoma has a um, is a federal transfer center, so um, a lot of the people awaiting sentence, you know, they go there or when they're first picked up, they go there until they you know, get to their next destination. But the alarming thing is um, it's very unsettling for these families to not know where their loved one is yeah. and the possibility of them not hearing from them around Christmas. It's it's just, it's maddening. It's absolutely maddening.
3: Well, it's heartbreaking. And uh, one of the other things you touched on, which, which I think has almost as much significance importance uh, as some of the other information you've already given us, Am I correct in saying that uh, you said there there's two thousand to three thousand more subpoenas coming down after the holiday season now?
4: Well, we don't know exactly when, but we do have a very good source um, in DC that got word that there are three thousand warrants circulating uh, as we speak. So, and we know that that's pretty much true because we've already seen some new arrests. There's people reaching out pretty much every day now, you know, looking for uh, you know, help with an attorney, help with their own retainer, you know, hope is really what they're looking for. And, you know, here at Patriot Freedom Project, you know, we've created such a great community. Um, you know, when people contact us, we jump right into the fire. Um, you know, we've helped people get new jobs. We've, we've, you know, helped people relocate. We've helped people, you know, be able to stay in their homes and we want to continue to do that.
3: Yeah. I think that's the biggest, uh, the biggest factor right there it's the families affected and it's one of the main reasons we wanted to make sure you got on the show uh this early before christmas and that's how we can help now anybody who's listening to the show today if you want to be able to contribute in any way you can cynthia you're going to give us uh ways that they can help and and hopefully make this at least a decent holiday christmas season for a lot of the families who've been affected by this
4: yeah yes thank you very much for that opportunity so um, you know, I just want to say really quick that, you know, these men that are behind bars, you know, the peace of mind that they have, if they can have any, is knowing that their families are, you know, being helped and, you know, being supported in, in multiple ways. And, you know, we've been able to do that these past two years is really help these men um, have at least some sense of uh, peace knowing that we've helped pay rent and mortgage, utility bills. We help with Christmas. Um, some families have lost their health insurance since their husbands have been incarcerated. Right. So we've helped pay COBRA payments as well. Um, and we need to continue to do that because this is not going away, at least until January of 25, when we have a new president.
5: Um,
4: so you could visit the website, you know, com. You can uh, see all the ways you can donate. You can donate through PayPal. You can donate through Venmo. You can donate, uh, you know, right directly through the the website. uh, Give, send, go. You can mail a check or money order. Um, If you have any questions, you can email us at info at patriotfreedomproject.com. You can find us on Truth Social. You can find us on Twitter. And, uh, you know, we we just ask that you, uh, you know, please help support these families through the next year.
3: Yeah, it's very important. We're going to be live-linking you and the the project and the live-link in the show description first today to make sure. That's why we wanted to put you right at the top of the episode. Uh, there's a lot of messages going out, tons of news, of course. I mean, all the stuff that happened with Donald Trump regarding the... January 6th inquiry uh, we're going to get to a little bit later in our show, but I think most importantly it's taking care of these families during these extremely trying times as if like the economy and everything else wasn't enough. There are so many people who haven't had their husbands, their brothers, their fathers home in two years now, and it doesn't look like it's going to change anytime soon. Cynthia, we thank you for taking some time out of your very busy schedule. We know it is busy. In addition to all the stuff you do and you mentioned the documentary we're working on, we're actually going to have Alex Brucewitz on Friday We're going to get some commentary on his speech that he gave at the New York Young Republicans Club Gala uh, a little over a week ago, but we're also going to ask him about the documentary as well and get some more information about that because we always like to stay in contact with our uh, favorite patriots as you have quickly become one of them on steak for breakfast. And at some time in the course of the new year, we'll be looking to have you back. In addition to the website, where can we find you on social media?
4: I appreciate that so much. I really love you guys. You're one of my favorites. I have to be honest. I've been on a bunch of podcasts but you guys have really, you're like number one, besides Papa B- uh, Papa Bannon, as you call him. Um, but uh, you can find me on Truth Social, you can find me on Twitter. Um, it, it really, that's the only social media that I use. I am starting to use Instagram, um, and you can also see the trailer if you'd like. Uh, you can go to um, Alex's people, they made a great trailer at dueprocessdenied.org. you know we're also looking for support on that there's a lot of families that need to tell their stories there's a lot that this country does not know about some of these families and the hardships that they've been facing so please support
3: yeah, we, we certainly will, and, and in addition to getting that story out, may, hopefully on a weekly basis, Steak for Breakfast is going to try and help you get connected to get that message out with one of our good friends, Alan Jacoby, as well. Cynthia, we wish you the very merriest of Christmases and uh, a happy new year, and like I said, shortly after that, we'll be looking to have you back on the show with a big update.
4: I appreciate it so much. Thank you, and Merry Christmas to all of you as well.
6: Thank you.
3: This is the founder of the January 6th Patriot Freedom Project, Ms. Cynthia Hughes. Thanks for coming back on the
6: show. Take care. We have just witnessed an extraordinary moment in American history, uh, this uh, January 6th select committee with both Democrats and Republicans. You hear a pause in the room right there on Capitol Hill uh, voting unanimously to send criminal referrals to the Department of Justice. Uh, they have just listed which referrals they are talking about. Uh, detailing them uh, with specificity. It came from Maryland Congressman Jamie Raskin, who, of course, is on the committee there. And as we watch them shake hands, I want to get right to what they have just talked about involving the former president. One of the criminal referrals involves obstruction of an official proceeding. And as we heard from Congressman Raskin, he said, we believe that the evidence described by my colleagues today and assembled throughout the hearings warrants a criminal referral of former President Donald Trump, John Eastman, and others for violating the statute. He says the whole purpose and obvious effect of Trump's scheme were to obstruct, influence, and impede this official proceeding. Second on the list for criminal referral is conspiracy to defraud, saying we believe there's sufficient evidence to refer former President Donald Trump, John Eastman, and others. The statute makes it a crime to conspire to defraud the United States, in other words, to make an agreement to impair, obstruct, defeat the lawful functions of the United States government by deceitful or dishonest means. The third criminal referral to the Department of Justice involves false statements. It says, We make a referral based on, and they talk about the Title 18, Section 1001, which makes it unlawful to knowingly and willfully make materially false statements to the federal government. This evidence clearly suggests President Trump conspired with others to submit slates of fake electors to Congress and the National Archives. He goes on to say, we trust that the Department of Justice will be able to form a more complete picture through its investigation. And rare, you see right there in the graphic, insurrection was the fourth criminal referral. The fourth and final statute we invoke for referral. This statute applies to anyone who incites, assists, or engages in insurrection against the United States or anyone who, quote, gives aid or comfort to an insurrection. Congressman Raskin going on to say the committee believes that more than sufficient evidence exists for a criminal referral of former President Trump for assisting or aiding and comforting those at the Capitol who engaged in a violent attack on the United States. The committee has developed significant evidence that President Trump intended to disrupt the peaceful transition of power. The president has an affirmative and primary constitutional duty to act, take care that the laws will be, quote, faithfully executed. He went on to say nothing could be a greater betrayal of this duty than to assist in insurrection against the constitutional order. You heard Congressman Raskin go on to say one more thing, and this is significant because he uh, suggests that there could be more to come from the Justice Department. He said these are not the only statutes that are potentially relevant to President Trump's conduct after the 2020 election, saying depending on evidence developed by the Department of Justice, the president's actions could certainly trigger other criminal violations.
3: Well, the January 6th committee wrapped yesterday, and this is Steak for Breakfast. Thanks for everyone that's joining us today. If you're listening for the first time, welcome. If you're one of our legacy listeners, welcome back. Remember, share all of our content across social medias. You're subscribing to the show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And we've got the full pod team assembled today and a great slate of guests. In addition to all the news, and there's quite a bit of it. We're going to be jumping in.
0: I forgot to do one thing during that clip. Mm.
3: Thank you. Uh, don't worry, we'll, we'll, we're will we doing the end of the January 6th committee for our cold open, so I'm, I'm only assuming there will be plenty of more opportunities to do that. Uh, but the fact of the matter is is we're going to have senior Trump 2024 advisor Boris Epstein in at the uh, bottom of this segment to give a little bit of commentary on it in addition to some other stuff. But, yeah, it looks like the January 6th committee – which was non-select and a sham from the very beginning and only gave one side of the story on everything that happened. Leading up to that day, that day when Nancy Pelosi hired her daughters producing company <laughs> to do a documentary about something that wasn't supposed to happen all the way up through now.
0: My favorite is uh, making false statesman- statements to the federal government. that mm. That's not okay unless you're the federal government making the false statements.
3: There you go. Perfect. Perfect. To the American people. Yeah. But, yeah. So, and then, then yesterday we rapped with... Uh, You know, them putting referrals into the DOJ, which they have no power and or authority to do. Uh And this is kind of where we're at. Soon to be former Congresswoman, uh, loser by 40 points or more. Wyoming Representative Liz Cheney weighed in her final remarks yesterday. Let's hear her and see if Noah could do a little bit better job of uh, keying (laughs) up everyone's favorite button.
5: Legal system functioned as it should, but our president would not accept the outcome. Among the most shameful of this committee's findings was that President Trump sat in the dining room off the Oval Office watching the violent riot at the Capitol on television. For hours, he would not issue a public statement instructing his supporters to disperse and leave the Capitol, despite urgent pleas from his White House staff and dozens of others to do so. Members of his family, His White House lawyers, virtually all those around him knew that this simple act was critical. For hours, he would not do it. During this time, law enforcement agents were attacked and seriously injured. The Capitol was invaded, the electoral count was halted, and the lives of those in the Capitol were put at risk. In addition to being unlawful, as described in our report, this was an utter moral failure and a clear dereliction of duty. Evidence of this can be seen in the testimony of President Trump's own White House counsel and several other White House witnesses. No man who would behave that way at that moment in time can ever serve in any position of authority in our nation again. He is unfit for any office.
3: I don't know how they look at themselves. Jeez. I'm telling you, these people must have zero mirrors in their houses. Wait,
0: so when, how long was it before he sent out the tweet telling people to be peaceful and all that shit?
3: Well, remember, whatever started, whatever you want to call it, whatever you're identifying. It was it was after. I mean,
0: it started before he was even done speaking. Correct. So they're counting that as the time frame. I'm going to start the clock right now. Like
7: 45 minutes to like even walk there from where he was speaking, right? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, those people were already
3: there. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's just, it's embarrassing to see these people. Yeah,
0: so you're going to tell me the people that were there to see and support the president fucked off before he was done talking so they could mount a insurrection.
3: There you go. I was waiting for it. So his first statement, which was please support our Capitol Police and law enforcement, they are truly on the side of the country, stay peaceful, came out at 2.30 p.m. that day. And what time was the enemy at the gates? Much before that. (laughs) And then again at 3.13 p.m. on the same day. So now you're talking a little bit over an hour after he finished talking and an hour and a half after the... Ruckus started. I am asking everyone at the U.S. Capitol to remain peaceful. No violence. Remember, we are the party of law and order, respect law and our great men and women in blue. Thank you.
0: So not hours, but like just almost an hour.
3: Yeah, and, and remember, he, he was traveling from the Ellipse back to the White House, so yeah. there was... And it
0: was probably chaos just because there's so many people milling around. They probably had to go loop around all over town. Sure, wouldn't doubt it. And don't
8: forget when he was fighting with the Secret Service agents to try to commandeer the beast to bring it to the Capitol, right? I oh, for, when he did the
0: Ant-Man and lunged through the fucking grate <laughs> that separates him from the... I, for, I forgot he was choking them. Yeah, right. He was he had him in a headlock, right? He was going to do a... Yeah. Choking Simplice a former a former uh, military combatant.
3: <laughs> and let's circle back on that. The charges that the January 6th non-select sham committee referred to the DOJ, which they have no authority to do, I'll just highlight, well, bullet point the highlights. Obstruction of official proceeding, boring. Conspiracy to defraud the U.S., good luck proving that in court. Conspiracy to make a false statement, I don't understand which that was. You can't talk about anything after January 6th. It was only up to when whatever they said happened, happened, starts. So him saying, like, you know, Mike Pence needs to do his job and be brave and all this other stuff doesn't really apply to that. And then conspiracy to insurrection. Uh, I don't even know what that means. Um,
8: means nothing. Yeah, it's desperation in political theater, smoke and mirrors.
3: You're re-whipping a uh, Civil War error <laughs> charge there. It's mm. kind of embarrassing. But
8: what, but what about, what about again, nobody wants to answer the question, Nancy Pelosi and the D.C. mayor, why they refused national guard exactly protection mm-hmm.
3: yeah we're all what looking to talk about that to get to the bottom of that question watermelon head jumped on with msnbc shortly after the committee disbanded yesterday to give his commentary on it i'm pretty sure you know where this is going let's hear it
9: This probable cause uh, to charge uh, the former president or others uh, and they'll have to make the further determination before they bring such a charge that they think they can prevail at a trial, that they can prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. Uh, Now, I hope they will apply those same standards that they would to an ordinary citizen, uh, uh, to uh, anyone, including the former president. That's what the Attorney General promised to do, and and I think the country will hold the Justice Department to that
3: standard. So I think uh, them knowing that they don't have relevancy and probably legal standing in court, especially with a charge like inciting insurrection, really doesn't hold any weight, and now they're kind of kicking the can punt in the football over to the Justice Department to see if they think they can actually get away with that. I don't ever see anything like that happening, and uh, neither did Donald Trump. He had a couple responses yesterday. Um, his official statement on True Social uh, in reference to the January 6th committee referral, and I'm quoting now, These folks don't get it that when they come after me, people who love freedom rally around me. It strengthens me. What doesn't kill me makes me stronger. Americans know that I pushed for 20,000 troops to prevent violence on January 6th and that I went on television and told everyone to go home. The people also understand that the Democrat Bureau of Investigation, the Mm. DBI, (laughs) it's a new one, are out to keep me from running for president because they know I'll win and that this whole business of prosecuting me is just like the impeachment was, a partisan attempt to sideline me and, in turn, the Republican Party. So he also did go on to say that he wanted to remind everybody that Liz Cheney lost by 40 points, which I thought was Mm -hmm. well served. But uh, this committee ending happened right around the time that the good old, you know, White House press pool was gathering together. So KJP did not have a good day yesterday, Um, but she did have some commentary on the finality of it. Let's hear her statement regarding Civil War era charges.
10: We've been very clear from the beginning that what we saw on January 6th was the worst attack on our democracy since the Civil War. And uh, the president has been very clear. Our democracy continues and remains under threat.
3: Mm -hmm. Asshole. (laughs) She certainly is. Jesus. I don't understand these people. They're so silly. And just, It's ridiculous. Yeah. Are they? They're just clawing, and it's gotten to the point to where it's... it's...
0: But they're spoon-feeding it to their captive audience of fucking soft-brained, smooth... uh ah, just idiots. <laughs> Smooth-brained,
3: yeah, not soft-brained. I guess smooth and soft.
0: Yeah. Mush heads. hmm
3: Well, there are some pretty good... Uh, spiciness we did have yesterday from her uh, when we get into the topic of the border, which we will in News 1 because there were some developments there, but uh, former Trump attorney Alan Dershowitz, he uh, weighed in throughout the course of the afternoon yesterday and was, um, you know, kind of talking about this and uh, basically the legalities of it, which is, you know, this is a huge virtue single, but... Even if the Department of Justice, let's just say, shoots their shot and makes criminal referrals, how is this really going to hold up in court when, like, the entire other side of the story is presented as evidence, uh, which nobody sees going anywhere? Let's hear former Trump attorney Alan Dershowitz on Newsmax yesterday with Chris Alcedo Wayne.
11: How disturbing is it, Professor, to know that leftists are so willing to shred the Constitution and, and all of government's credibility out of fear of President Trump and his America First policies.
2: Well, that's the problem today. I have a book coming out called Get Trump, in which I argue that one of the greatest dangers to democracy is how people, particularly on the left, have ignored the ACLU, have ignored the Constitution, and shredded it in an attempt to get Trump. Look, I'm not a Trump supporter. I voted against him twice. I intend to vote against him a third time if he runs in 2024. But I am a supporter of the Constitution, and I put the Constitution before any politics, unlike uh, Congresswoman Cheney and some of the others who put partisanship and ideology before the Constitution. Exactly. And I think it's absolutely essential to preserve the Constitution. Look, I don't like that Donald Trump said that he thought the election uh, being unfair may give people the right to ignore the Constitution. He was wrong, the Democrats are wrong, everybody who wants to violate the constitution to achieve partisan benefits uh is wrong
3: which i don't disagree with Mm -hmm. um and it is good to see uh you know someone remind everybody of that you can't just make off-the-cuff statements you know we talked about the zero pathway to uh You know, Trump going back to the White House before 2025 and that anybody who says otherwise, it's just complete false reality. Yes. Um, He did go on to continue and and give a a minor piece of commentary on those criminal referrals that we've been talking about. Let's hear him continue on that thought and bring it home
2: here. The American public should make no conclusions based on this one sided recommendation and it should ignore it as well. It's worthless. It's a worthless piece of paper. Um, If you recommended prosecution, it would have more weight uh, than (laughs) if a professional like this recommended prosecution. Well,
3: and that's just the truth of the matter. And, you know, we might not agree with uh, Alan Dertiewicz's political views on this show, but the fact of the matter is he does know his constitutional law. And even at times, if it sounds like He's swallowed a lot of pride to say that Donald Trump was right in some of the things that the January 6th committee, the non-select committee, the sham committee presented throughout the course of their, I guess you want to call it investigation, and then Hollywood presentation of their side of the story. The fact of the matter is, at the end of the day, the Constitution will prevail. Um, I did tease that we're going to have Boris jumping in here in a minute, and while we do Uh, We we want to be able to recap on this and and kind of, you know, roll it into some of the other positive aspects that we're looking towards as we head into the holiday season and what it looks like for Trump 2024 coming out after the new year. All right. Joining us first on the show today he's a senior advisor to President Donald J. Trump and working on the 2024 presidential campaign. One of our great friends coming in for a big update. Mr. Boris Epstein, thanks for coming back on the show.
12: My pleasure. My pleasure to be with you. Great to be with the whole team. Great to be with your whole audience. It's, it's an honor.
3: No, the honors all are, sir. Uh, how's everything going with you on your end? I can only assume since uh, the, the rollout of the presidential campaign, things have been a little bit more than busy.
12: Things have been busy. Things have been exciting. We're firing all soldiers. President Trump has come in with very
3: tough statements
12: on the omnibus, Tough statements on, uh, tough statements on Title 42, Standing strong for election integrity, standing strong against weaponization of law enforcement, and fighting against the this, this terrible targeting of political opp- opponents being taken undertaken by Democrats and radical, absolutely woke, disgusting members who used to be Republicans.
3: Yeah, it seems like there's quite a few of them in the Senate right now, and it's good to see some of their uh, senatorial counterparts like Rand Paul and such call them out. But fact of the matter is if you're going to get 10 or 11 of them to jump on board with this omnibus bill, we're going to get one more year of uh, Nancy Pelosi pork uh, as far as government spending goes. I did see yesterday the sham non-select January 6th committee finally wrapped. They uh, suggested criminal referrals for Donald Trump, which we thought was all but laughable. I'm sure the president felt the same. We saw some of his... Uh, Responses that he put out on Truth Social, we read them in our cold open. What do you feel uh, seeing such an embarrassment to our country finally come to a close?
12: An embarrassment, a waste of money, waste of uh, taxpayer dollars, waste of taxpayer time. It, absolutely pathetic, disgusting. Uh, this was a sham kangaroo court from the very beginning that proved themselves to do that. And by the way, in, in their authorizing documents, this committee never had the power to make them. They have the same power of the microphone as the, you know, the Uber driver who drove me here today, as, as I or you or anybody else. This was a complete and total joke, a complete and total charade. That's all it was. And, and of course, President Trump did absolutely nothing wrong. Everything was done legal. He said, go peacefully and patriotically In the tweets that have just been uncovered after being censored and deleted, let's be honest, by the FBI, he said he calls for peace. Call for anti-violence. She supported our men and women in blue. And this is all on actual January 6th. Did the sham committee look at those tweets? Look at the video where he said the piece that they, tried to play? they did not. Why? Because they are a partisan joke. All of these, the quote unquote, investigations, which are all shams, are just one way to, uh, to, one big coordinated way to attack President Trump because they know President Trump is the strongest political figure in America. Let's be honest, in American history. And he's what stands between America being strong and positive and uh, uplifted and, and a, a beacon on a hill and this vision of America, this sad, feckless, hopeless vision of America that the Democrats, the rogue-weaponized law enforcement, and the rhinos have.
3: No, it certainly is, and it's going to be great to see some of those rhinos setting off into the sunset as they're, uh, I think they have about I know you guys days. are going to
12: miss Rose Cheney a lot, right? Uh, no. She But Sherman lost by 40 points. So, you know, (laughs) it was really a nail biter
3: there. President Trump was a.
12: Kinsinger. Yep. good, Good luck. As they say, good night and good luck to these losers.
3: And Benny Thompson and leadership will, of course, be missing him, too. No, it's great. Donald Trump pointed out Liz Cheney's lost margin yesterday on Truth Social as well. I thought it was awesome. But we like to talk about things that actually matter to the American people, to the MAGA base, the things we like to do and really push on steak for breakfast, which was Donald Trump rolled out. I mentioned Title 42. Exactly. Also, that's very important. And Boris, what do you think about that now that that Chief Justice Roberts issued this temporary injunction? I mean, it does put a Band-Aid on what is a huge problem for those Border Patrol. And, uh, you know, everyone that's working down there during the holiday season Because the timing couldn't be worse But we all know it's still coming I mean, someone like President Trump Who's, uh, you know, been so big on the border And and really made it safe again uh, To see something like this The reversal of Trump-era policies Just for spite, it seems like And and at the compromising safety, security, uh, prosperity of, Of all the American public Everybody's affected by this now How is he dealing with this?
12: The way the way that we are dealing with it is is by President Trump strongly saying that Congress must establish criminal penalties for any senior officials or political appointees who order a or bet the mass release of illegal aliens into the United States. He's calling for a total and permanent ban on Joe Biden or any other president on using taxpayer dollars to release illegal illegal immigrants into our country, and he's calling for Title 42 to become permanent law.
3: It seems like pretty simple math, but to this administration, especially at the highest parts of it, you're talking about Joe Biden, the borders are Kamala Harris and Alejandro Mayorkas, who has just completely wrecked the Department of Homeland Security since he took it over, much like he did with CIS back in the day when he worked in the Obama administration, just seems like more of the same for this administration. So, Boris, one of the things that that we were really excited to see was Donald Trump rolled out his first big major campaign uh, pillar for his 2024 platform. It was a shot fired across the bow of big tech and uh, kind of laid out like, you know, a, a, a digital bill of rights and, and, and all that stuff that came out with his announcement or, uh, or late last week. What are some of the things, the highlights in there that you really think are resonating with the American people now that we have seen, like, you know, Microsoft and Google with their repression of conservative voices, obviously we know what gone on with Meta, and since Elon Musk has taken over Twitter, we've gotten so much disclosure there with more to come. Here's the key.
12: President Trump recognizes that what the liberals, what these woke, awful, radical Democrats have done is attack them core of our country and that's free speech and he's laid out this perspective he's laid out this plan where he will not allow he will not allow for free speech to be abridged by government for it to be abridged by uh, by companies by corporations he's going to stand against censorship and that's a big reason he's fighting to win the presidency for the third time
3: well, we feel the exact same way, and uh, we see the way that the left and everyone up on Capitol Hill is reacting to just about anything he does to know that he is the number one threat and the eventual nominee who's going to lead us back into prosperity. For a side note, and not really much to do with, with President Trump, but still staying in the category of MAGA, as someone that's worked in, in the legal field as, as much as you has over the year, how refreshing or at least optimistic does it make you to see now that Carrie Lake is going to have her day in court?
12: It's a major development. There was also a major development in Georgia today, where the Georgia Supreme Court is now going to allow the review of mail-in and absentee ballots in Georgia. That's a major case there. So you're seeing wins on the, on the legal front for MAGA, and also it all goes back to the to the simple fact that elections in America, the 2020 presidential election, the Kerry Lake election, are rigged and stolen, as President Trump has said and that's a big part of the of the free speech platform as well to end. The censorship against those who rightly call out the rigging and stealing of elections. That's what President uh, President Trump said that he will end federal policing of lawful domestic speech once he's back in the Oval Office, and that'll be one of his first major ask, major major
3: tasks. Yeah, I think the biggest highlight for me in that. Uh... You know, big tech uh, rollout that he had last week was that he said, When I'm inaugurated, if it's not going to be done through the Congress, then I'll write an executive order. There was really not only clear solutions, but definitive answers on when and how this is going to happen. It's not going to be like last time where he tried to just make peace with everybody. He's got names of the people who are on board with MAGA, and he's got names of the people that obviously were never going to be. And uh, he's going to make it a lot easier for himself when he gets in there, uh, you know, back in 2025.
12: And vitally, it'll be, limi- it'll be limiting that structure. 230 protection because now as you're seeing from the twitter files these companies the, the quote-unquote big tech have done all they can to silence america's americans to persecute americans and to fight against free speech and against our constitution
3: yeah, no, we, we 100% agree with that and, and are optimistic, looking forward to the, the next rollouts of, of some of his campaign platform after the New Year's, which is the last thing I wanted to touch on you with. we hitting it full go after this holiday season right now. We thought it was very weird that some people had been saying maybe inactivity since the, you know, announcement that he's going to run for president. But, you know, heading into the holiday season, and then last week, they President Trump drops the NFT Everybody on the Internet is talking about Donald Trump. Oh, all this stuff, digital playing cards. And then once everybody on both sides is talking about it, boom, he rolls out his campaign platform. And then I see that video everywhere on Twitter, on Getter, on True Social, even on Facebook. And it just seems like it was another perfect play by Donald Trump. He knows how to be a businessman. He knows how to get everyone talking about him. And now everyone's focused on some of the things that he's looking forward to make part of his you know, campaign rolling forward after the new year. So as soon as we hit it, after January 1st, we're looking all systems go.
12: The president is going to continue to dominate the news cycle, as you said, as he has with his free speech announcement, as, he, as he's doing on Food Social, as he's doing with a series of interviews he's doing with Breitbart, Dan Gino and so much more. President Trump is going to continue to fire on all cylinders, continue to dominate the news cycle, continue to march towards the White House, take it back, and win the White House for the third time, as he did in 2016 and 2020. Thank you so much for having me. God bless you and God bless
3: your listeners. Boris, thanks for uh, jumping in with us today. We're going to live link all your stuff in the show description. Where are we finding you on social medias?
12: Thanks so much. The website's BorisCP.com, hot on BorisCP.com, hot on Twitter at BorisCP, hot on through social. at Boris, and, of course, the hottest on the ground, Boris underscore Epstein. Stay strong. God bless, and I'll talk to you soon.
3: Thanks for jumping down, Boris. You have the best of the holiday season, always hot on steak for breakfast. Merry
12: Christmas to all
3: of you. Merry Christmas to you as well. Boris Epstein, thanks for coming down with us today. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon.
13: And simply because people don't see the president at the border doesn't mean that he's not working.
14: Right. Well, why doesn't he go to the border? He was just in Arizona. Why wasn't it worth his time?
13: Well, you have to remember, Margaret, when the president travels, it's not like you or I jumping on an airplane and getting off and going to our destination. Everything comes to a halt. So all of these things are in consideration for the president. Is that the best use of resources? All of the resources that will be diverted on the ground when the president makes a visit. Is that why he didn't go? Are his handlers
0: allowing him to go there? No. Well,
13: I can't speak to why he has or has not gone. I'm just speaking to the fact that it's a bit more disruptive for the president of the United States to travel than you or I. Mm. But what the president has done is continue to lean in on this immigration issue. No,
3: he hasn't. How? No, he hasn't. Lean
0: away. No, he hasn't. Lean in to. Ice cream. I, yeah. Well, into what it. about
8: the 25 times since he's been president that he's gone home to Delaware? I mean, well, that, that's, that's a, that's a big expense to the American people and, tra- and traveling. He's,
3: uh, he's leaned into the top of kids' heads to give them a sniff.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh
3: Boy. Yeah. So that was uh, Keisha Lance Bottoms, Congresswoman uh, sticking up for basements while he's walking around aimlessly at Toys for Tots events and uh, suicide rates within the Border Patrol are at all time highs. So I guess
8: it's good to say that COVID, uh, what did he have it three times? Did not affect his sense of smell, obviously. There you
3: go. (laughs) (laughs) We did dodge a pretty big bullet yesterday in regards to Title 42. Um, Yesterday at the White House press pool, in addition to commentary on the conclusion of the January 6th sham committee reporters wanted to pepper kjp with some questions regarding the border Mm. as it's on everybody's mind it seems to become the number one national issue right now let's hear it So does the president have any plans to go to the border is now
11: a good time to go?
10: Like you said, I've addressed this before. Look, the president's focus right now is to come up with solutions. It's focused on making sure that we have the resources to manage the challenges that we're seeing uh, at the border. And right now, as you know, we have a budget request in front of Congress. And again, if congressional Republicans are serious about dealing with the challenges that we're seeing at the border, uh, they will assist.
3: I don't know what you can ask Assist. (laughs) What do you want congressional Republicans to do? That's like the question. You know, they say they have no solutions, but obviously the the Department of Homeland Security's six point plan that Alejandro Mayorkas has drafted starts with appropriate as much money as possible and ends with every single person that walks up comes in and we will never find them. So whatever points like two, three, four and five are in between there, it doesn't fucking matter because we've already seen the disaster that's getting ready to uh, go down there this weekend, and uh, they weren't done with her. Um, You know, Title 42, even though uh, there was a SCOTUS injunction yesterday and a stay of the Trump-era policy to keep people out of the country, and again, I want our listenership to know, even though this is a win at the Supreme Court level and a Band-Aid for the next couple weeks, the Department of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, has already used administrative powers to figure out every loophole in Title 42 and everyone that they could let in, in lieu of it being standing, has come into this country and will continue to on a daily basis. There's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You've heard multiple Border Patrol agents talk about it on the news. You've heard Brandon Judge, the Border Patrol Union chief, talk about how every time a judge puts an injunction in on a policy that he wants either in or out, Alejandro Mayorkas will just find ways to circumvent it. And we, you've even heard when we had the Attorney General of Florida have Chief Ortiz of the Border Patrol under oath in February talk about this in detail, uh, how he, so if they say something stands, if if the Supreme Court rules on something, can you find ways around it? And he's like, ways, ways around what? Letting people into the country? Yes. Okay, so yeah. th- then there it is. Um. So KGP continued to get hammered yesterday. Here's Jackie Henrich uh, in a, in a one-on-one with her. She was filling in for Peter Ducey, who's probably on Christmas break. Let's hear them.
5: But to
7: Ed's question, though, you know, this push from the podium to get Republicans to... Send more resources to the border. A lot of them say that you know they hesitate to throw more money at a problem. The Homeland Security Secretary is saying that the border is secure, and some of the people who'd have to vote on that bill also don't have a lot of details on you know what's in it and where that money goes. But that all that aside, um, you know, if you're if you're saying that Republicans aren't doing the work. TO GET THIS DONE, AND THEN YOU HAVE SOMEONE LIKE JOE MANCHIN SAYING, WELL, THE PRESIDENT HAS THE ABILITY TO ASK FOR AN EXTENSION. HE SHOULD BE ASKING FOR AN EXTENSION BECAUSE WE'RE AT THIS POINT WHERE YOU'VE GOT A DEADLINE AND A CRISIS. IS THAT WITHIN THE PRESIDENT'S AUTHORITY TO DO THAT?
10: So look, we remain, we're, we remained under a court order to lift Title 42. That is Are a you court order. That? that is a court order. You order started that is it. telling us right. to lift Title 42, and we're going to comply because we follow the rule of law. Mm-hmm. That is, <laughs> That is. but it is a court order. But that is that it started by you guys. It was a court order <laughs> that has been provided to us, and so now we by have us. to comply, uh, and that is we have to comply by December 21st. Uh, for us, it by is us. it is a law so that is we don't, don't court. Support? Let what I'm saying is that uh, what I'm saying that it is a court order that has been presented to us that we are going to comply with. So you've we asked a couple of questions and I'm going to they answer will. them. I'm Let just going to keep, keep repeating second. myself so over and in the over again. So the funding again. request the 3500000000 billion, I've already listed them out happy to do them again. You scale up we want to scale up air and ground transportation capabilities to move migrants to processing to less crowded border patrol sectors and quickly remove them to if they cities. don't have a legal red basis states. to remain. Set up an additional CBP holding facilities and, sp- and speed up the processing ah, time more NGOs. so individuals mm. can have their asylum claims har- heard faster. Hire more than 300 additional agents to join our force of 23,000 agents working to secure the border. 23,000, that is historic. We've not seen...
3: Shut up. Tar- terrible. Terrible. Embarrassing. Yeah, and that's awful. what it is. You know, the, the fact of the matter is good for her for calling her out and saying like, oh yeah, this, this is an order. That has come from the courts
0: Mm.
3: and we must adhere to it. And she's like, but you started it. And she's like, again, this order, which is historic, (laughs) it's come from the courts. And uh, we adhere to the rule of law. You asked for this change in the law. Again, I'm providing you with the data that this is an historic order provided by the courts. And, uh, you know, we're waiting for congressional Republicans to jump on board with a plan. And they're like, what plan do you have? And then she starts reading it. Mm. We're going to hire 87,000 more IRS agents next year. But in the meantime, are you,
0: we'll, you going to make them work at the border?
3: Yeah, well, we'll no, those are just <laughs> the air marshals. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, we're we're going to hire a couple hundred more border patrol agents to pass out juice boxes and change diapers. Um, That's we did, nice, yeah, we did report piggybacking off of Bill Malusion, and we able to confirm uh, Fox News report on Friday that there was a border patrol processing plant in uh, Eagle Pass. It's set up for about a 1,000 migrants. They had reported that there was like 700 sleeping outside in the overflow. That facility is now over 5,000 full. So, yeah, they've added another almost 4,000 people to that big mess. And growing. Just over the course of the weekend. I (laughs) I also saw, which was a pretty good piece of information, there was a new Harvard poll out yesterday. I thought this was pretty great. And it just, you know, we talked to so many people. It's like, not only are you getting the news, but how is the news delivered to you? So a new Harvard poll says 75% think less than a million migrants entered last year. When told, the actual number, close to 3 million, that entered mm-hmm. last year, now 70% want more stricter immigration laws. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So everybody keeps hearing these numbers. No one's hearing nearly 3 million illegals. No yeah. one's hearing... million apprehensions since the start of the Biden regime. No one's hearing over 5 million have come in if you include the getaways that have just been reported over the last two years. And when you present the people with the actual data, first, they're in denial. And secondly, almost 70% of them, so seven in 10 voters, want stricter immigration laws. Well, no shit. Seven out of ten. Seven out of 10. That's pretty good. Yeah. That sounds like a majority of the everyone. Yeah. It's also not what we're bringing back. Uh it's also not what we're using down on the border in regards to releasing people. So you got to keep that in mind as well. Um it would it would come to a point later in the afternoon and after the White House press conference, I could only assume maybe Justice John Roberts was watching it because when he saw Claire Jean Pierre's answers in regards to some of the excuses this administration has been making for what's going on down there and just some of the finally accurate reporting by other news outlets, not just Fox News, but across the spectrum, because this is really starting to affect everybody. you got places like fucking California, which is becoming like a um, getaway resort for abortions and has always loved homeless people. They're they're calling the homeless epidemic a crisis now in California, and mm. they're saying that, The amount of illegal aliens that are getting shipped here are now bankrolling or bankrupting the state. Uh, Same thing in New York. New York said they're going to lose like 60 socially directed programs in next year's budgets to do with the amount of illegals that have uh, been shipped there as well. Another sanctuary city that's uh, living under the guise of its own self-induced trauma. Same thing with Chicago and places like that. So the news would break later in the afternoon of the Supreme Court injunction. Let's hear a brief on that hours
11: before the pandemic era border restriction known as title 42 was said to be lifted and with record number of migrants crossing the border surging the supreme court stepping in chief justice john roberts responding to a request from republican officials issuing a stay for now which will keep title 42 in place temporarily it comes with el paso texas under a state of emergency with thousands of migrants crossing the border into the u.s every day many of them released onto the streets where THEY'VE BEEN SLEEPING OUTSIDE. THE MAYOR MAKING THE EMERGENCY DECLARATION THIS WEEKEND, SAYING CITY RESOURCES ARE OVERWHELMED, MIGRANT SHELTERS ALREADY PACKED.
15: WE DO NEED MORE HOUSING AND WE'LL CONTINUE TO NEED
2: MORE HOUSING. THAT'S BEEN THE BIGGEST THING.
11: THERE WERE EXPECTATIONS THE LIFTING OF TITLE 42 WOULD HAVE SENT THE NUMBER OF ILLEGAL BORDER crossings SOARING EVEN HIGHER. THE TEXAS GOVERNOR WHO BLAMES BIDEN ADMINISTRATION POLICIES FOR THE ONGOING MIGRANT INFLUX. With this warning. If the courts do not
9: intervene uh, and and put a halt to the removal of Title 42, it's going to be total chaos.
11: Border officials telling NBC News if Title 42 is lifted, they're expecting even larger numbers. A record 10,000 illegal border crossings per day. Tonight, New York City's mayor saying the city is nearly out of money to shelter the busloads of migrants arriving every week. Which he says could force the city to cut or curtail programs New Yorkers rely on unless they get federal help. Many migrants are crossing into the U.S. from Ciudad Juarez, Mexico. Tonight, NBC's Guadvenegas is there, where he met a family from Venezuela saying they'll cross after Title 42 is lifted. She's been traveling with her baby for three months. She
16: says
11: crossing Mexico is the most difficult thing. And this family, who says they escaped kidnappers on their grueling journey through a jungle, They saw people dead. Officials are calling it a humanitarian crisis, with some migrant families huddling in a makeshift campsite in downtown El Paso. It's freezing
13: temperatures overnight. We have children and babies who were sleeping in streets.
11: And tonight, the chief justice signaling a timeline that suggests the Supreme Court wants to act quickly on this issue, requesting the Biden administration respond to the state's request to lift Title 42 by tomorrow afternoon
3: no sympathy for the people that are crossing because they know what they're getting into. Yeah. If you want to risk it off for for the sole fact that you might have the opportunity at free fucking everything, you Mm -hmm. make the risk. You want to bring your small children. You want to run from the cartels. You want to roll the dice and see if you can get away from kidnappers. Everybody knows about the shit that goes on in the Panama jungle. It's like everybody's fighting with each other down there. And uh, it's something that's been widely reported for years. Um, Yeah. The
0: the amount of people that are, that are it's and it's all fraudulent Yes. Uh, fraudulent claims too. It's what was
7: yeah. it? Uh, what for like asylum? You're saying? Yeah,
0: I mean, yeah, it's
7: all bullshit most of the time. I, I just it's it's ridiculous at this point.
8: And they're being coached what to say.
3: It's they over ninety percent. All you have to do is, is is basically exclaim any kind of fear of anything, um, and, and you know they they say there's supposed to be certain standards you have to meet, but the, our courts don't use them. CIS doesn't use them. Yeah, the immigration does is don't use them. I do have the brief uh, and the injunction from Chief Justice John Roberts that was issued yesterday. Upon consideration of the application of counsel for the applicants, it's ordered that the November fifteenth, twenty 2022, Order of the United States District Court for the District of Columbia, case number, whatever, hereby stayed, pending further order of the undersigned of the court, it is further ordered that a response to this application be filed before or on Tuesday, December 20th, that is today by 5 p.m. Alejandro Mayorkas is a notorious non-deadliner meter. So we'll have to see where that goes. But, yeah, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, John Roberts stepped in at the last minute and put a Band-Aid on it, kind of like a probably, I hope you guys have a decent holiday season to the people who are actually working down there at Ground Zero, but it's a Band-Aid to say the very least. Yeah, it's awful. And then you know, mandate Dom- on an
8: arterial bleed. It's just not. It, it, mm-hmm. It's 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 gonna it's it's gonna be bad.
1: <laughs> mm.
3: Yeah, we we have a lot of uh, work to do in regards to combating this. And I saw it was nineteen governors, multiple state attorney generals, and several of our congressional politicians who teamed up to, you know, get this uh, request in. And uh, just Chief Justice John Roberts acted on it. Donald Trump yesterday put out a statement in regards to this and, uh, you know, talked about, well, by abolishing what remains of Title 42. See, Donald Trump knows that Alejandro Mayorkas has poked holes throughout the the course of, uh, you know, his term as the DHS head in the longstanding Trump era policy is willfully and deliberately triggering a cataclysm of illegal immigration like the world has never seen before. He then also offered a three-point plan um, on what we could do to fix it. I guarantee immigration will be his next big uh, campaign pillar video. Mm -hmm. First, Congress must pass a total and permanent ban on Joe Biden or any other president for using taxpayer dollars to release illegal aliens into the country. The best place to do that is in the federal spending bill. That is what Republicans must do whatever it takes to prevent Mitch McConnell from passing this sellout omnibus. Second, having established a federal prohibition on all releases of illegal aliens, Congress needs to make permanent all of my administration's groundbreaking border security reforms that allowed us to achieve the most secure border in history and rapidly deport anyone who has trespassed across our border. And third, knowing just how willingly Joe Biden and his deputies have been to violate and dismantle the laws of our nation, Congress must establish criminal penalties for any senior official or political appointee who orders, aids, abets the mass release of illegal aliens into the United States. And then each pillar would have like, uh, or each bullet point would have a little bit of uh, commentary underneath them, you know, like Trump jabs. But the fact of the matter is, let's just play this game. Reverse the roles. Let's just say Donald Trump did something, the exactly same thing that Joe Biden has done. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump would be in impeachment hearings as we speak. Joe oh, Biden yeah. Joe Biden, just gets a free fucking pass. And, uh, you know, that's, that's just the fact of the matter. The double standard, the two-tiered justice system, and all the stuff that's been going on that's absolutely craziness regarding this border. And uh, it, it's really sad. It's it's really sad. I saw, um, let's see, who jumped on last night? Katie uh, Davis-Court jumped on with Tucker Carlson and uh, wanted to provide a little bit of ground zero coverage from El Paso, which we just heard on that ABC Nightly News segment. Let's hear what happened when she encountered some of the aliens who have taken up shop in her camp and are camping now throughout the streets of El Paso.
15: Those pictures from the airport, I mean... Wh- Would any person who landed at El Paso Airport have seen that? Why is this the first time we are seeing this? I'm just amazed that no one said anything until you.
17: Right, Tucker. Tucker, thank you so much for having me on. Now, I will tell you right now that it's not going to make much of a difference if Title 42 is halted or not. There is a clear invasion happening in El Paso, even with Title 42 in place, and it is shocking. I hopped off the... Uh, plane at the El Paso airport made my way to baggage claim, and that's when I noticed more than 100 illegal immigrants sleeping on the ground with Red Cross blankets. Now the facilities here in El mm-hmm. in El Paso they're all the Paso at max capacity; they cannot wow. hold any more people and so they are letting them out onto the streets, sleeping in freezing conditions with their babies, whole families. This is a humanitarian crisis. So uh, the airport has turned a portion of of the facility into a makeshift holding center. And so I went around and I asked the people where they're from. They told me the Dominican Republic, Peru, Colombia. But what I found most shocking was one of them said to me, who gave you the permission to film us? And I thought to myself, who gave you guys the permission to enter into the United States illegally, which is a crime. But to them, to them, the borders are open. The Biden administration, they need to be held accountable for dereliction of duty and crimes against the American people.
3: I like that one. Who Yeesh. gave who gave your film crew permission to film me? Really talk about yeah. being coached. Embarrassing. <sighs> Embarrassing. It's, some, it's trash. We're in, for
8: some, uh, we're in for some really, really tough times ahead. I mean, we have tough times now, but if if and when, I guess I think it's just a matter of when Title
0: Forty Two is lifted. Um Well, I did it, call it. They were gonna push it past Christmas. Yeah, that was like beyond. I mean, I mean, that wasn't the save. That wasn't the Biden administration that did it, but no, they it's, definitely, they definitely couldn't have taken the the heat from it.
3: Well, there's the law, and we abide by it.
0: And the law was presented <laughs> yeah. by someone. It was us, but we're going <laughs> to abide by the law
3: asshole. I got a feeling we're going to get some pretty good commentary from former Trump administration ICE director Tom Holman in just a bit. But before we get to him, let's hear Fox News' Bill Malugian give just a bleak a picture down on the southern border yesterday, even after the Title 42 injunction stay ruling.
15: Of course, it's happening around the country. No one's done more to chronicle that than Fox's Bill Malugian, who just saw a huge group of migrants cross into Eagle Pass, Texas. That's about 500 miles from El Paso. This has been happening not just today, but every day since this spring. For nine months, Bill Maluchin joins us now. Hey, Bill.
18: Tucker, good evening to you. We're about a seven-hour drive from El Paso here in Eagle Pass, but Eagle Pass dealing with a lot of the same issues when it comes to those illegal crossings. Case in point, take a look at this thermal drone video our team shot out here this morning just after the sun came up. showing part of a group of what ended up being over 380 migrants who crossed illegally this morning, almost all of them single adults as usual. They turn themselves in because they feel like they're going to be released into the United States. And in most cases, that is what happens. And here in this Del Rio sector, CBP sources tell us there have already been over 118,000 illegal crossings just since October 1st. Those numbers are up 55% over the same time last year already. And the White House says the border is not open take a listen. It
10: it, it would be wrong to think that the border is open. It is not open. And I just want to be very, very clear about that.
18: And then take a look at this video we shot when we were in the Rio Grande Valley last week. We embedded with Texas DPS looking for runners in the brush, and we started noticing suspected Mexican cartel scouts across the river watching us and watching Texas DPS. It started Mm. off as a couple of guys in pickup trucks, But then we started looking through the trees and we started seeing guys dressed in camo with their hoods on trying to hunker down watching us with radios with cell phones at one point they put a drone up in the air and they were essentially monitoring everything texas dps was doing as they ran their operation looking for illegal immigrants in the brush and it just sort of highlights the fact that the those mexican cartels really do have control over large swaths of the mexican border and case in point We'll finish you off in Arizona. Take a look at these images. Yuma, Arizona. Border agents on patrol in the open desert find two abandoned backpacks on the ground from smugglers. In it, they find 90 pounds of meth with a street value of about $150,000. Those smugglers obviously trying to backpack that deadly product into the United States. And back out here live Tucker. Border patrol in the Rio Grande Valley reporting late last week. Their agents arrested two illegal immigrants who had homicide convictions, including one who was convicted of murdering a peace officer in Los Angeles. We'll send it back wow. to you.
15: Bill Melusia, and thank you for making that point, as you have so often done, pretty much alone. This isn't organic. We've handed control of the southern United States to the Mexican drug cartels. And uh, I just appreciate your, your always saying that. Thank you. Good to see you.
3: And that's the extremely bleak reality of it. Um, not only is the border not operationally controlled, not only is it not operationally secured, Mm. there is no plan to deal with it. And the people who run the United States Southern border are the cartels who are thriving in Mexico right now. And they've made, man, we got to be getting close to hundreds of billions of dollars since the Biden administration took over, whether it be through the drug trade or the human sex and child trafficking and just the now, over-intensified flow of illegal immigration heading into this country yeah it's wild there's no stopping it and and we've seen how it's affected the human element on the game i think if anything that's the one thing we've been able to stay ahead of everybody else on it because it's a topic not everybody likes to talk about either on cable news or podcasts you know it's great to go down there and with the um thermal imaging or some drones and show some good footage and then you do, always throw in a couple of images of the file footage a whole bunch of people sleeping in a room that looked like baked potatoes and little foil blankets and, <laughs> you know throwing a little hot point there like and the cartels control everything or somebody at the El Paso airport told me like who the hell are you for filming me but like there is a human element to that they are so understaffed and overworked we, we read it in that Brief from Alejandro Mayorca's visit to El Paso last week where he refused to go to the border but was peppered with questions from Border Patrol management. At one point, somebody said, the only reason you don't want to go down there is because you don't want to go anywhere around the rank and file because of what happened last time and you don't have basically the balls to look into their eyes because... Well, because last
0: time he did it, they shit on him. Just yeah. like, I mean, yeah. they literally like were about to tie him to a bumper and drag <laughs> him through the brush.
3: Yeah. yeah. And, which would and, be hilarious. And they told him that the the, the frontline workforce down there looks like lifeless zombies yeah. and, and feel like it too. And we've seen it. So, fact of the matter is, that's where the border's at. Uh, we're going to get a little bit of a deeper disposition on what yesterday's ruling means, where we currently stand, and what we could look forward to in the future with the former director of ICE. All right, joining us next on the show today, he served as the acting director of ICE. During the Trump administration, we've been looking forward to having him on big time. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about with Tom Holman. Thanks for joining us on Steak for Breakfast today, sir.
16: Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
3: Uh, we appreciate you and all the work that you still continue to do to uh, bring advocacy and, and, you know, preach for security down on our U.S. southern border. We saw yesterday there was a, a stay injuncted by Chief Justice Roberts from the Supreme Court, which kind of put a Band-Aid, which is already on top of the Band-Aid, which is what's left of Title 42 right now. Seeing that from from outside looking in where you're at right now, Director, what do you think uh, this does except maybe make the, light, the load a little bit lighter for our brave men and women down there on the border this uh, Christmas week?
16: Well, you got exactly right. Look, Title 42 is just going to add more crossings, more illegal entries, which is going to further overwhelm. The border patrol, but let's be clear: we're already at a crisis, even with Title 42. We're at such a crisis that, that so many people are entering this country legally that you know the border patrol has to respond, and they're so overwhelmed right now. Seventy to eighty percent by the end of the shift, seventy to eighty percent in El Paso, ninety percent of agents are pulled off the line. To come in for processing, ninety percent of the agents were pulled off El Paso last couple of weeks. Understand that for every ten border Patrol agents, there's only one left on the line, and that's why hundreds of illegal uh, aliens are crossing the highway, walking into the city of El Paso with no encounters from law enforcement. Just they just got away. Mm-hmm. And what's really concerning is the local PD ran into a couple of them, and uh, several of them were from Russia. Several of them were for from Turkey. And these countries are, you know, have high interest. We call them special interest alien countries uh, because they there is a national security nexus. So understand that even with title 42, we're at, we're at, we're at, we're at a critical stage. Their first year in Joe Biden, we had about 1.7 illegal entries. And that's what was encountered. That was that those were arrested, Mm -hmm. right. And many released, but since Joe Biden's become president, we have documented, recorded, over 1 million gotaways. Now, here's my biggest concern. The lift title 42, more agents are pulled offline, which means there's going to be more gotaways. Here's why gotaways are a problem. Why would you not want to turn yourselves into the Border patrol, claim asylum, be released in the United States, be given a plane ticket to fly to any city you want to fly to, your choice. Why would, and, and, should You get to where you're going. Get a work authorization. You claim asylum. You can can apply for work authorization. Why would you not do that? Why would you you want to escape? Why do you do not want to be arrested by the Border Patrol? There's one simple reason: they don't want us to know who they are. They don't want to be fingerprinted. So, with over one million gotaways, Border Patrol has arrested people from 161 different countries. Some of those countries are sponsors of terrorism. So, if you don't think a single one of that 1.2 million gotaways came here to do us harm as a terrorist, then you're ignorant. You're just ignoring just by sure percentage. It's it's happened. Now, people ask me, how many? I said, I don't know. But someday we're going to find out. This will be a bad day for America.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it certainly will. And we're going to find out the hard way if we continue along this, uh, you know, method of operation right now, which is definitely not operationally and 100% secure. And that's kind of where we're at. Tom, what's the reality of, of of the crisis down there? You hear people with drive-by headlines like they want to say fentanyl. They want to say human trafficking, child trafficking. They want to say, like, uh, the cartels control the border. Is that the bleak reality and the stuff that the Biden administration is just refusing to even be held accountable? More importantly, Alejandro Mayorkas, who has completely dismantled every kind of law enforcement Uh, method of operation that anybody down there, whether you're talking about CBP, Border Patrol, ICE, anyone is able to do. I spoke with with an ICE supervisor not too long ago who told me that Even though they've removed more people this year than they did last year, when you look at it against the per capita numbers, let's say the 2.5 million people who we've apprehended this year, the numbers are at an all-time low and over 90% less deportations than under Trump-era policies. Is this the reality that we're living in here right now, that these people that are coming across are here to stay? We have no... Uh, kind of plan in place to do anything with them aspe- except eventually move towards amnesty for probably 30-plus million illegals that have already entered this country uh, since the Reagan amnesty bill, and uh, that's kind of the what we're going to have to deal with as a society moving forward?
16: Well, first of all, Alejandro Mayorkas needs to be impeached. Yeah. He, yes. violated, he violated the of office he's taken, this country's less safe under his leadership, and, and uh, let's, let's, let's set the record straight in 2014, 2015, uh, President Obama was president and the secretary at the time of DHS was Jay Johnson, who I respect. When we had a thousand entries a day, Jay Johnson would call us all in to know what the hell is going on because this is out of control. A thousand a day. Yeah. Now we get 8,000 a day and Alejandro Mayorkas says the border secure. How do we stop it in FY 14 and 15? I'll tell you how, we built detention facilities, we held them, including family uh, centers, we held them long enough to see a judge. Nine out of 10 will never get released from U.S. courts, because they simply don't qualify under the rules of asylum. So nine out of 10 failed, we put on airplanes, we sent them home, the numbers went down. What is Alejandro Mayorkas doing now? Well, he knows what we did to stop in 15, he's not detaining them, they're being released without a court date, and even if they get an order of a essentially, they get 9 out of 10, get order removal, and ICE can't arrest them. Why? Because Secretary Marks is on the record saying this. Being in the country legally on its own is not enough for ICE to come look for an arrest. <laughs> so that they really open the border up. They made it so the 90% of the booster case won't be removed. And there's something real important that I, I want to explain to you because no one's talking about it. I talk about it because I've done this for 34 years, there's a reason they're not detaining people. There are thousands of empty ICE beds right now that ICE has, detention beds, with 24-7 medical care, attorney, a client access, state of the highest detention standards in the industry, already paid for sitting empty. Why are they not using them? Well, I'll tell you why they're not using them. The Secretary of Mayorkas has this information like I do. First of all, if he looks at the immigration court data, he will clearly see n- nearly 9 out of 10 people claim asylum at the border, never get relief from U.S. courts because they either don't show up or they don't qualify, yep. 9 out of 10. Now, now, what happens that 9 out of 10 gets ordered removed? I'll tell you what the Homeland Security Lifecycle Report says. That's data over the last decade brought together. The Secretary's report, he has this, it says this, if you get ordered removed, while you're in detention, you're removed 99.6% of the time. If you're not in detention, you get order removed. For instance, if you're a family unit, you leave 6% of the time. If you're a UAC, a child, you leave 3% of the time. If you're a single adult, you leave 16% of the time. So the secretary knows if he doesn't detain them, very, very few would be removed. Mm So he's taking advantage of Homeland Security Lifecycle Report, Make sure they're not detained, and when they get an order removal, they're in the wind because ICE can't arrest them anyways. So th- this, this is by design. So not only did they open border up to millions of people, they created a system for them, where they're not going to leave. And, look, I, I said this many times, I, I get a lot of hate for it. If the right guy comes back to the White House in two years, I'm coming back. And people say, well, you can't arrest millions of people. Maybe not, but I'll give one hell of a shot. Uh, Because there has to be consequences. Look, these people, including Secretary Mayorkas, here's the question they need to ask the White House spokesperson. Here's the question that senators and congressmen need to ask Alejandro Mayorkas. Okay, you up here, you say these people have a right to claim asylum. First of all, understand, you call them asylum seekers. But the data clearly shows 9 out of 10 don't qualify. So you, you can call them asylum seekers but it's really a fraudulent claim, first of all. Second of all, if you believe in due process and have the right to claim asylum, do you also believe the decision from a federal judge has to be upheld? Because if you don't, then there's no due process at all. So if the judge's order of removal doesn't mean anything, then shut the whole thing down. Just shut down the immigration courts because the judge's order don't mean anything. ICE is the only law enforcement agency in this country who's being told not to execute a federal judge's order. FBI's never told that DEA's never told that ATF never told that, but the ISIS told that to ignore a judge's order. So that's what we, that's what we need to get these people to admit AOCs and the rest of them. If you demand due process, fine, but you have to abide by the decision of the courts and no one asked that question. Need to ask that question because as you said, they're never leaving. They're not leaving. Even if we get the white person back in the white house, we get people like me back, now, we'll get the best shot, get as many as we can, but no, we can't arrest many of the people. We have the resources to do that. So a lot of these people crossing the border right now are here forever and why? And they're going to go hiding. They lose their case, they're going to hiding. Why? Because this country is showing over and over again, if you hide out long enough successfully, we're going to give you something. Yep. So the hundreds of thousands of family units, for instance, that's crossed over the last decade, they are, you're included in Biden's amnesty plan. So even though they violated law, even though they had due process at great taxpayer expense, even though a federal judge said they have to leave, they're going to be rewarded amnesty. That's why we can't have an approval on amnesty. We have to secure the border. President Trump and his administration did it at the highest levels ever. This administration came in and unsecured a border, which is unheard of.
3: No, well, they certainly did. And uh, it goes down to the men and women who are working to just in the absolute worst of conditions right now. Tom, one of the things we talk about on the show all the time, it's the numbers that you don't often hear on TV. It's not the amount of migrants who are illegally crossing the border, uh, you know, looking for some sort of fake asylum, but it's the fact of the matter how this has affected the people down there. In just the last three years alone, line of duty deaths and and. Uh, suicides amongst you know the border patrol and and, and adjacent uh, agencies have spiked mm-hmm. and, and account for more than the 10 years prior uh to the start mm-hmm. of the biden administration The human toll for the people who are actually working down there, the ones who are used to, you know, interdicting drugs and stopping human smuggling, who are now changing diapers and, and, you know, getting exposed to the diseases of the third world on on almost a regular basis in some of these housing centers down there on the border. What can you say to the, the morale level? We saw last week Alejandro Mayorkas would not go down to the border, but when he went to the uh, and talked to the management in El Paso. They said, you don't want to look those people in the face because they look like lifeless zombies, and that's kind of the reality we're living in here.
16: Yeah, the morale of the Border Patrol, nice right at an all-time well. There, there is no morale on the Border Patrol. I mean, I've been down the Rio Grande Valley, and down on the border at least a dozen times in the past year and a half, and I started my career as a Patrol agent. I wore that uniform. I love these guys, and uh, they're, they're the finest, you know, 1% this country has because... And despite the politics of this, they still wear that uniform, still put the Kevlar vest on, they still put the gun on their hip, they go out there and do the job. Uh, But understand, they're miserable. They were hired to enforce law. They're a federal law enforcement agency, but they've been turned into a tourist agency. These guys spend their time, as you said, changing diapers, making baby formula, making hospital runs, and driving aliens to the airport to get them on a flight. Now understand this, there's a board which was a part of the criminal conspiracy of oh, Annie's fucking. I got I a board I was down to get yeah, 30 years in, who said that that morning he put his uniform on, he's looking in the mirror, he's making sure his gig line straight, he's looking good like he always does. And for the first time in his 30 years, he looks in the mirror and says, I have become a part of the biggest alien smuggling organization in the world, Mm -hmm. the United States Border Patrol, because they're completing the last, this administration has ordered Border Patrol to complete the last part of the criminal conspiracy and make sure we deliver these people to the same person who hired a criminal organization to have them smuggle. Think about that for a moment. So a law enforcement guy who wants to prove law enforcement is all of a sudden thinks he's on the wrong side. And they are they just want to get on the border and seize drugs, arrest bad guys and, for, and protect our border. They're not allowed to do that. So morale's in the tank and we've had 14 suicides already this year, Yeah, but, but it's not be, just because they're overworked. It's not just because they, they're just, their morale is, is tank. It's because the terrible things to see every day. I mean, they're giving—they're pulling toddlers out of the water that drown. They're trying to keep CPR and revive them. They're talking to girls as young as ten years old that've been raped multiple times by the criminal cartels. They—they they, they find rape trees where the cartels will rape women, and hang their panties in the tree as a trophy. I mean, these men and women are seeing terrible things every day. The last time I was down there in Brooks County, I actually talked to a doctor, and, and I tell you—and let me just give you one example of what these guys see every day. So, a family from African nation came across the river. They started drowning, a, a mother, father, and, and uh, a 20-month-old, just under two years old. They all started drowning. For you know, jumps in the river, saves them. They thought they saved them. They saved the mother and father. They thought they saved the baby, but the baby later died on the way to the hospital. So when the medical Examiner does the autopsy, that 20-month-old baby was was violated multiple times in every opening that young girl had. And when the story came out, that's what the cartels did as payment for the cost of that family. So some sick, I, I can't use the word I want to use. Some, no, sick cartel, some sick cartel some cartel member decided, I'm going to have sex with that little girl in every place I can think about as payment. Ugh. These people are animals. So these borbletroids, they see stuff like that every damn day. And they got to go home to their own families to think about this stuff. Look, I I tell a story all the time. What made Tom Homan, who I am, I found a lot of that, I, I, I've come across a lot of dead bodies while I was in the border patrol. I've investigated cases where migrants were murdered because they couldn't pay their smuggling fees. I've stood on back of a tractor trailer and 19 dead migrants at my feet, including a five-year-old little bull. Baked to death. I've seen terrible things who made me who I am today. And once I fight, sorry, and that's why I get so emotional. These men and women see this every day. I talked to a workplace in Afghanistan. He said, he'd rather be in Afghanistan and see what he's seeing mm-hmm. than seeing this because it, it talks about children and women being raped. Yeah. He'd rather, he rather see the death of, 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 of uh, military aged men than see children and women. And he, he just says he'd rather go back to Afghanistan. So, you know, for, again, 14 suicides and this secretary, doesn't give a damn this secretary has abandoned the men and women's border patrol this president has abandoned the men and the border patrol the president hasn't made one damn trip down there
10: right and we got
16: a national security crisis going on the president hasn't bothered getting down there uh, the so-called border czar has made one trip to el paso to to the headquarters building she never stood on the border she never talked to a border agent wearing that uniform and, and you got secretary Mayorkas on TV every day saying the border's secure, the border's closed. And when, when he made that trip to El Paso, so I talked to agents who were in that town hall, and one of the agents said, why do you keep saying the border's secure when you know it's not? We're busting our ass 24-7 down here, dealing with record numbers. Why do you keep telling the public the border's secure? The secretary looking at the agent and said, I haven't said that. Hmm. Now, can you believe that? I mean, why would he say that knowing that he's already TV saying it? So the Border agents have lost respect to them. They want them in peace more than I do.
3: Well, they certainly do. And
16: I've,
0: said,
3: uh, I've said we should bring back tarring
0: and feathering.
16: <laughs> well, I, I, I said this, and I met with over 100 GOP congressmen on the Hill a couple months ago. I said, day one, you take back Congress and impeach them. Mm-hmm. I said, the minimum oversight hearings. And when you do the oversight hearings, talk to people like me, Mark Morgan, a few other people, Rodney Scott. Yep. Who served in this will tell you where the bodies are buried, we'll tell you who to subpoena, we'll tell you what information is to subpoena, and we'll tell you where you can find that information. And you have oversight hearings, and you show to to oversight hearings to American people what the truth is. And there's gonna be so much damning information there. You got twenty-four Democrat senators or or, or, or congressmen and senators who were running for office in 2024 and tough battleground states where Trump won. They're going to be forced to pick a side. They're going to be forced to look at the evidence and pick a side. And I think because they're looking at their next election, they're going to have to take a stand against what's going on in the border. And that's where we win. Because if we can get the 24 Democrats to look at what's going on and have to face reality, then maybe we can make some changes. Oversight hearings is a place to go. Also, we own the House. Now you own the purse strings. If DHS isn't going to do their job, then shut it down. Shut the government down. People say, well, that's a pretty drastic step, shutting the government down. Well, where do we gotta get to be drastic enough to shut it down? We got over 100,000 Americans have died from fentanyl coming across that border. We got nearly 1,500 migrants have died on US soil. We got over 116 known suspected terrorists that have been arrested. How many didn't we arrest? At what point is enough enough that we threaten you? you take action or we're shutting it all down? That's what needs to happen.
3: No, you're 100% correct. Director, last point, and you've mentioned it a couple times throughout the course of this interview, which has been amazing. We really appreciate it. It sounds like there's only one man who's who's up to the task of, of getting us all back on the right track and at least getting things a lot safer and secure down there. He's done it once. You were part of it. I, I'm only assuming we're big Donald Trump enjoyers on this show that you think that Donald Trump is the only man that's fit for this job to make that border safe and secure again.
16: Donald Trump Donald Trump's the best man for the job. And I tell you what, I had dinner with Donald Trump in Las Vegas a couple months ago. And I told him that in that dinner. he asked me, he said, if I go back, would you go back? I said, in a heartbeat. You come back, I come back. And he said, you take a hell of a pay cut, wouldn't you, because I'm doing pretty good right now. I said, well, I'm going to be taking the biggest pay cut you took when you came to the president. Yeah. So, and I did a rally for him down in Texas, and I said it on stage. I said several, you know, 30,000 people. I gave him my word, Trump comes back, I come back. We fix this garbage. I didn't say garbage. I use a, I use a propane word. But I was mad at the time. So you got my word. And I and I I was down in Mar a Lago a few weeks ago at the, at the Winter Gala, and and he reiterated to me. He says you're still good to go. He says you're damn right. You're damn right. I'll come back for free. I'm so pissed off at this point. Nice. So yeah, we did it before. Illinois Grace down eighty three percent. Let me end with this. gonna Grace down eighty three percent. Forty year low under Trump. Doctors on Borders did a study. One-third of women that make that journey through use of the cartels get raped. Let me ask you a question. When 83% less people are crossing that border, how many women aren't being raped? How many children aren't drowning in the river? How many pounds of fentanyl isn't getting in this country to kill Americans? How many billions of dollars is the cartel is not making? How many non-suspected terrorists aren't escaping because of Border patrol 100% are on the line and, and diligent doing the job they're doing? President Trump's policies save lives. Bottom line, Joe Biden likes to tell how his policies are much more humane than Trump's. Wrong. Record number of Americans are dead because of his border policy. Record number of migrants are dead because of his border policy. We got a sky high historic number of sex trafficking of women and children. You tell me how all this stuff he can call it humane. That's the truth. His policies are killing people. President Trump saved lives and we're going to do it again in two more years.
3: Can't wait. Director Holman, we've been uh, very thankful for you to come on the show with us. We'll be looking to have you back again and, and definitely reschedule in the new year with you. For anybody that wants to find out more about you and, and prospective border policies uh, that could be coming in the next few years, where can we find you?
16: Well, look, I'm a senior fellow with uh, Heritage Foundation. Too, they can go those places. There's actually a website where, where I wrote my book. Dude, the publisher created a website it's called com. They can contact me through there, uh, find out where I'm speaking throughout the country. But uh, you can catch me on the Fox News, I'm on there just about every day, raising hell. So uh, it's not hard to find. You. And uh, to your listeners, look, first of all, thank you for what you're doing. Uh, you know, if it wasn't for Fox News, no other network talks about this. We really count on radio. We really count on podcasts. It reaches far more people than the network does. So thank you for doing what you're doing to help educate American people, stay in the fight for you guys like you to tell American people the truth.
3: And we'll be looking to have you back at some point in the new year. This is the former acting ICE director under the Trump administration, Tom Holman. Thanks for coming on State for breakfast. Have a Merry Christmas. Uh, you too. Merry Christmas.
9: Hamill has presided over some of the largest spending in American history. Uh, it seems like there's a lot of frustration among rank-and-file Republicans across the country. Maybe not in the Senate, but across the country, with his leadership. Do you like? To, would you like to see a change in the Senate at some point?
7: I would if we're not going to put the American people first and do what's right for them. And it makes me sad that we're watching uh, Mitch McConnell cut deals for a gigantic spending bill here at the end of the year. If he put that much effort into cutting deals to secure the southern border and address some of these other issues that are very important to the American people, I might feel differently. But this isn't fair to the American people who are already struggling and have been for the last 18 months. This is not going to make life easier. It's going to continue to make costs go up, cost of living go up. Wages are not meeting uh, the inflation right now. This is not fair to the American people who are really struggling and having to live paycheck to paycheck. We need to do more for the American people and get our physical house in order. And it should start with making, uh, making decisions that really are brought to the forefront. All the leadership should be involved. Republicans have been cut out on the House side of a lot of these negotiations. But at the end of the day, a huge lame duck session ending with trillions of dollars being spent is not fair to the American people.
3: No, it certainly isn't. You know, that's a uh, New Mexico Republican Representative Yvette Harrell weighing in on the prospectus of the omnibus getting passed this week as uh, it's become a bigger and bigger issue for Mitch McConnell to have to kind of deal with as he's received a lot more resistance um, than he usually does. Some of these things are, you know, you'll see Congress people come out and and weigh in on them on TV Then time will go by and then they'll have a vote. A couple people will complain they didn't have time to read it, even though nobody does. And uh, you know, life goes on, but um, all passing this bill does aside from funding the government with more pork than ever imaginable, Mm -hmm. is allow Nancy Pelosi's congressional legacy to live on for another year under the rule of a Republican House. And for Mitch McConnell to even weigh his options in this is completely and absolutely irresponsible and an embarrassment. Texas Congressman Chip Roy weighed in yesterday. He provided... uh, a memo that he sent over to the office of the Senate minority leader. And it stated that 13 house representatives are obliged to inform you that if any omnibus passes in the remaining days of this Congress, we will oppose and whip opposition to any legislative priority of those senators who vote for this bill, including leader McConnell and um, chip Roy putting his foot down again is uh, something we like on this show. And it's good to see that he's got the backing of a dozen of his counterparts. Alan, what do you see when you when you hear about this? I'm, there's nothing good that could come of this. All it does is no. I mean, there's the earmarks have earmarks, and the thousands of pages that it is. The, you know, I think there's over 7,500 earmarks just in this thing. You, you told me yeah. how, before the show starts, today, hey, how many pages is it? <laughs>
8: 4,155 pages. Seems like an easy
6: read.
3: Yeah, this is the
8: Omnibus. Listen, nobody read it. 7,000 plus earmarks. uh, Close to 7,500 earmarks. $1.7 trillion. $45 billion for Ukraine. There is earmarks in there for the federal election system, which are dangerous, which I haven't even begun to look at. Nobody read it. The Uniparty hates you. And, and and it's going to be disastrous. Again, lining pockets, pork for everybody. And out of those, uh, you know, apparently, uh, I was looking on Breitbart, Kevin McCarthy, just like you said, uh, 13 Republicans vowed to tank any priorities of GOP senators who vote for this um, that they negotiated with Democrats. Kevin McCarthy was on board, and, of course, he is, you know, looking for the support Right. and says that he is uh, – Uh, joining any threats to block any legislation from any Senate Republican who votes for the omnibus.
3: Yeah. Some, some of the Um, saddest parts of this bill are there are a couple departing congressmen uh, who have a ton of earmarks in this as, as parts of their legacy once they leave Capitol Hill, but there's just no room for that uh, in this, in this economy. Uh, The fact that we're already in a recession, even though the government wants to pretend and tell everybody that we aren't and, (laughs) and, Funding all of these things, I mean, they, they have that, you know, Congress or the Electoral Count Act is written into this omnibus bill, which is going to make things like certifying presidential elections in cases where there are inconsistencies or maybe even, how dare I say it, fraud, uh, a lot easier for Congress just to ignore moving forward so we, we have to take a hard look at this and, and understand the reality is all this is is a win it's a win for Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and it's not a win for anybody else including the american people
8: and of course there are things in this bill that when republicans say they're not going to vote for it you know by design because this is how they 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 put bills together and throw everything in right where the democrats will say oh the Re- the republicans don't want to fund the military they don't want to fund this they don't want to fund that look at them the republicans are really bad but Again, they can do that when there's 7,500 earmarks and over 4,000 pages that no one is going to read, including the average American voter. No American voter is going to sit and read through 4,000 pages if members of Congress who are supposed to vote on this are going to read it. It, It's just not going to happen. And so they play the game. This literally should be probably 12 or more separate bills to vote on individually because of all of the ridiculous spending and pork and nonsense that's in this bill. Uh, the Ukraine, uh, uh, money alone, it, it's absurd. And just like you said, Nancy Pelosi's legacy, all of this, they're doing all of this bullshit because it's their last hurrah. Everything from the January 6th committee to Omnibus, you know, it, it's, it's crazy, and it just makes me. You have the Republican Party tearing each other apart, just ripping, just going for each other's throats. The Democrats are loving this. There's no, the the party is not unified whatsoever, and I'm, I'm getting really. I'm um, I'm not optimistic about the the new, the new Republican led Congress coming in. It hurts me to say that.
3: Mm. You think some of the uh, commentary that's come out of the conservative event that's been going on over the weekend, where you know you've got Bobert and MTG feuding, you've got Matt Gates coming on and and calling Mike Lindell Mister Chairman, you've got you know Matt Gates also talking about how Kevin McCarthy's never going to be the leader, and then like we get it, but at the end of the day, like what are we doing to help? The economy? What are we doing to lower gas prices? What are we doing to regulate spending on Ukraine? What are we doing to secure our southern border and prevent all the death and despair and disease that is coming out of that growing crisis every day? Uh, do you seem le- less optimistic about uh, a decent Republican House in 2023, the 118th Congress, than you did maybe a few months ago?
8: Yes, 100%. I'll tell you what I'm tired of. I'm tired of these rah-rah events or everybody's looking great on stage. I didn't listen to anything anybody said at this event because I'm tired of them. And yet things like, and I like Matt Gates calling Mike Lindell chairman. Give me a break. We all love Mike Lindell, my pillow promo code steak. He's great. He should not be chairman. He should not be thinking about running for chairman. It's not going to happen. We love you, Mike, but we, you know, know what your limits are. Stick to what you know. All right. And Lauren Boebert, bopping around on a on the stage in her sequence top i i couldn't listen to the to, to what she was saying because it's just like it, it just it's clown world has infiltrated the conservative movement when you have the the kirks and and, and war room and the, the whole gang and and just i, I don't know I'm, I'm not optimistic at all. And the more I think about it, the more I talk about it, the more I'm nauseating myself <laughs> and the, Re- the Republican party needs to really get their shit together and and figure out what the hell we're going to do about all this, all, all, all these, they're more than talking points. Gas prices should not be a talking point. The economy should not be a talking point. You know, just uh, 401ks should not be a talking point. What the hell are we doing? What are we doing? Is the new Congress going to do anything? Is Kevin McCarthy going to become the leader? It's going to be status quo. And it's just more of the establishment going after the big bad orange man and focusing on not letting him be president in 2024 instead of actually legislating for the American people, which we all need them to do. This is why I keep saying, all right, we elected these people. We gave them jobs. We are their employer. Now we have to hold their feet to the fire and say, hey, now you have a job to do. You better do it. We cannot let the uh we, we can't let the pressure off and now they're going after new they're not even sworn in yet and they're both republicans and democrats are going after just barely freshman members of congress with allegations and they're tearing each other apart it's absurd and if they're going to keep doing this we we are going to fail
3: mm-hmm. well that's a good point answer that i hear you scoffing there the whole time why don't you weigh in what do you think uh Looking forward to the new year and the 118th Congress here. The the House Republicans are in a little bit of a crisis, and uh, it doesn't seem like it's going to self repair itself. What do you think?
7: No, I mean I, I totally agree with everything everything Alan said. That's pretty much she put it perfectly. That's exactly how I feel. And uh, oh, I mean, I'm I'm just praying and hoping for the best and that. Real changes are made because it's high time. And man, you know. It's just too much at this point, I guess. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing people for who they really are, but at the same time, like we need things to happen. We need to get shit going.
3: Yeah. And that's the fact of the matter. I think we've gone and played identity politics for so long. It's finally caught up with ourselves and we're going through an identity crisis. The Republican party doesn't know who they are, what they want to be. A lot of them have their own longstanding principles, but for as much as the American Populist doesn't want to see the cookie cutter old white guy suit wearing, talking about lowering taxes, Republican. Everything in between just hasn't been able to stick. Uh, There has to be like uh, some kind of, and I'm not talking about moderate politics, just moderate version Mm -hmm. of that mold, which will eventually become the national populist movement that pretty much greases the gears that runs the party right now. And the deep, Rooted, long-standing ties to the establishment, to the administrative state, to special interest, to consultants, vendors, even to China, is a lot of what's wrong with this party right now, and a lot of what is preventing it from getting their shit together. Like everyone said,
0: all the stuff with China, it's like <clears throat> just the amount of money our government's forking over to China right now. It's like if you went door to door and you and you you ask people, it's like, hi. I'm here uh, collecting donations to donate to the uh, Chinese military. They'd be like, what are you, fucking crazy? Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, meanwhile, our federal government is buying entire container ships full of fucking masks and bullshit and who knows what. Just about everything just else. nonsense. Yeah. Everything. And just, just like imagine all the bullshit you see at every store. Like walk around, try to find something made in America. Can't do it. Nope.
8: And nope. if you do you're paying premium because it's that much more expensive, unfortunately. Yeah. And I, I, I'll be honest, most of the time, the quality is, is, is crap. You know, you take something made in America and take something made in maybe Bangladesh or Pakistan and that American made product. Most of the time I'm most like when it comes to apparel and other things is really crap when it comes to the other stuff. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's a shame to say, you know, do you guys remember right after the, the, the 2020 election when the whole thing was Donald Trump's going to start his own party and it's going to be the Patriot party and all this nonsense. And it's going to split. Then of course, you know that it's going to split the Republican party in half and we're never going to win elections again. Remember all that nonsense. Yeah. Okay. So I feel like in a sense, not, not that exact thing, but within the Republican party, it's like, it's being torn five or six different ways. Like who has, the bigger following and the biggest influence. Hey, follow us over here, follow us over there, follow us over here. And there's no unification. Everybody's fighting. You know, this, this, this group has this belief. This group has this belief. We all have the same goal, but there's no unification of how to get there. Everybody's splitting the party in, in, in so many different ways. And, and I, I it's it's going to be so bad for us going into this new Congress, going into the 2024 election and any election thereafter, if we don't pull the reins in and say we have to work together and figure it out. And that doesn't mean bending the knee to the establishment. I want nothing but to stomp out the establishment, you know, but unfortunately, everybody thinks that they have this this big influence over. Uh, this part of the party and that part of the party and they're ripping it apart and everybody's complacent. Everybody's involved and everybody's guilty of it. And we all have to figure out a way to pull it together.
3: Well, that's the truth right there. You know, and if you think it's not as bad as we sometimes hypothesize on this show, I'm seeing right now coming across the wire. uh, Lee Fang has just dropped Twitter files. Part eight. You'll never guess how Twitter quietly aided the Pentagon's covert online psyop campaign. Despite promises to shut down the covert state-run propaganda networks, Twitter docs show that social media giant directly assisted the U.S. military's influence operations over social media. Weird. So weird. (laughs) Yeah, so, I mean, it's like, listen, there's not even, I don't even think conspiracy theories are real anymore. It's just like when we could, like, you know, pull the curtain back and see who's directing the show. But the fact of the matter is, is that, The Republican Party has a lot of work to do. They have little time to do it. I saw Rep Gallagher jump on. Um, You know, we were talking about Kevin McCarthy and the growing pains that the House Republicans are going through right now. And he was talking about the battle that's ahead is probably more important than the fight for the speakership right now. Let's hear him weigh in. He was on
19: State of the Fake Union this weekend. And I'm not budging off my support of Speaker McCarthy. But you're right to suggest that there's no time to waste here. We can't spend all of january just with uh, mired in this internal battle we need to populate various committees there's all sorts of work that needs to be done in terms of basic oversight of the executive branch um, as well as articulating policies and finding areas where we can pass productive bipartisan legislation so my hope is that we get past this kevin mccarthy has done a great job over the last month in terms of reaching out to his detractors and saying, okay, what rules changes do you want to see? How do we fix this institution? It's not going to be perfect. Obviously, we only have control of one chamber of government, but there's a lot of things we can do. So it might take multiple vote series, but I believe we are going to get there. And the fact that Speaker McCarthy wants to do things like create a select committee on China, wants to make it bipartisan, I think is a testament to his prioritization in leading this next Congress.
3: Now, now I don't believe like 90% of that rhetoric, but the fact of the matter is, Here's the deal. It's just like the same thing with Donald Trump. Everybody was bitching about Donald Trump. He's not doing enough. He's not inactive. He's not here for the fight. We all saw what happened last Friday. NFT, boom, first campaign pillar in regards to his free speech platform. I think Kevin McCarthy's using kind of the same playbook right here. So everybody's asking him for concessions. And I know that he's going to make several of them. But let's just say with still more than two weeks out from the vote, A month ago, Kevin McCarthy takes all of the House Freedom Caucus, you know, recommendations, all of the moderate recommendations, all of the rhino recommendations and says, I want to be speaker more than anything else. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say yes to everybody. We're going to rewrite the bylaws. We're going to meet in the middle here and moving forward. I'll be the speaker, but you guys are in control. If he does that right after the midterm elections, all that does is set Kevin McCarthy up between then and January 3rd when they vote to have more people come and say, let's add this, let's do this. Let's." Kevin McCarthy's taken everybody's requests, and I feel personally that he's sitting on them and he'll make the most meaningful ones as close to the vote as possible, which then again puts the ball back in House Republicans' court. Let's just say on January 2nd he comes out, tomorrow we have a historic vote, this, that, and the other thing. I've been asked by all caucuses in the party to make amends, to make you know, uh, go in directions that I don't necessarily feel are important but are obviously important to caucuses in the party which have constituents that want this done, here are the concessions I make. So Kevin McCarthy lays out his plan for the changes that he's looking to make in the next running of Congress, the 118th after January 3rd. Then it puts the ball back in Matt Gates' court, Chip Roy's court, Bob Good's court, Cornyn's court, and then, then, or I'm sorry, Comer's court. And they all have to go and then say, okay, I went around grandstanding for the last two months about how much I don't want Kevin McCarthy to be the speaker of the house. He doesn't deserve it. I don't like him, but I asked him to do something and he did it. And I'm still not going to vote for him. And then a point it's like, you get to a certain point. It's like, where do you become unreasonable? Right. I mean, I haven't seen mm-hmm. anybody step up in contention right now that can go toe to toe with Kevin McCarthy. Okay. Saying it's Andy Biggs. Andy Biggs caters to the House Freedom Caucus and to his constituents in Arizona, probably some people along the U.S. southern border, maybe people out in Florida, but not much anywhere else. You're right. Kevin McCarthy has a money-making apparatus set up nationwide that brings in close to $200 million a year. Good luck trying to fight him toe-to-toe. You better have a plan that's so much better than what his eventual plan will be on January 2nd, heading into that vote on January 3rd, that it's going to appeal to everyone across the spectrum. Because right now, he's got his toe in everybody's water. So he's going to make concessions to the House Freedom Caucus. He's going to appease the moderates. He's got Donald Trump's ear, according to Breitbart article last week. So which way are you going to go? Who are you going to go to bitch to? There's not much other places to go. And then you turn around, and who's at your back? Your constituents. So at what point you just don't do what you need to do because it's Kevin McCarthy he becomes completely irrelevant. This is a problem that we all wish would have got taken care of over a year ago And because, as always, we wait to the last minute or are reactionary in how we respond to stuff. This is kind of the situation we're in, self-induced. Why does that sound familiar? Every fucking time.
0: Yeah, we're always
8: reactive. We're never, <laughs> never really proactive, and it's just...
0: Trash.
3: Yeah, trash. And that's probably what we'll have next year in regards to speakership if they don't put some kind of restrictions on it to where they can change it as easy as it was to change when Nancy Pelosi held the gavel for her multiple times as House Speaker. Staying in the same thread of leadership but jumping it over, Harmeet Dillon, who's all but assured us she'd be joining us on our Friday edition of the show this week to pitch her Pitch for the uh, RNC chair was at a conservative event over the weekend and told Tim Poole, who was set up there, about some of the stuff going on in Washington, D.C. and her candidacy. Let's hear her.
8: Real quick, probably should have done this right off the bat, but can you explain the 168?
14: Yeah, the 168 is like, I was. we were joking backstage, it's now sounding like the Illuminati, but the 168...
11: <laughs> That's my love language, careful there. The 168 are
14: three members of each of 50 states and six territories, and believe it or not, my state with 40 million people has the same amount of power at the RNC as American Samoa. They also have three, and they have, like, 50,000 people there. But those 168 vote to elect the next chair of the RNC, treasurer, co-chair, and so forth. And so you got to get a majority of them. That's that's 85 to win. And so Rana started out with a you know big list. That list is smaller, if we were being truthful. But people are being attacked. There was a story today that she, quote-unquote, lassoed somebody from the herd who had flipped over to my side, got them back. This is the kind of humiliating language we see about this uh, election.
0: Conservatives pounce.
14: Conservatives pounce. Is it
1: because the ones people at the 168 feel like they're going to lose, like, deals that they have? If they're they- going
14: to lose... Like, if I, were, if I were the new chair, I would change who's the chair of all the committees, okay? I would stop the tchotchkes uh, at donor expense. I would stop the staff retreats at $1,000 a night. I think that's obscene. I would stop uh, a lot of the waste and excess there. I have pledged to move most, if not all, of the operations of the RNC out of D.C. because yeah, that's a good, I mean, D.C. Like is that. not America. I'm sorry for anybody who lives in D.C. No one. And, <laughs> and I want people who work at the RNC to live in America and be in touch with America because we represent America. that's very that's very threatening to consultants who live in america lobbyists who have the pipeline to the consultants all of that so that they're very upset about that
3: don't forget the vendors uh Mm -hmm. i'm not as optimistic as her i do think the truth of the matter is i do think ronna mcdaniel is between 80 and 90 votes still so she still hasn't secured it i think her made a hard play for it i think she would be a breath of fresh air if she actually lives up to the things she's saying Hopefully we'll hear here on the Friday edition of the steak for breakfast podcast. As we told you guys after her reschedule last week, all we could do is invite them and then whether or not they show up for the litmus test, that's beyond our control. But the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, we do need a lot of changes at the RNC. I did see some disturbing breaking news coming through the show as it was playing out today. So apparently Ryan Jack and Susie Weiss, two of Donald Trump's closest advisors and people that are going to have their hands all over Trump 2024, are making a hard push right now for Ronald McDaniel. Uh, yeah. Kind of- Don-
8: Donald Trump did not did say he's not going to endorse either one of them. He likes them both. But yeah, the problem is the American people aren't voting for these people. The delegates are. And again, we're fighting against the establishment and the secret vote nonsense, which needs to stop and change. I mean, it's just...
3: <laughs> yeah, and then, you know, the source of this here is from Pedro G- Gonzalez, who kind of, you know, throws stuff at the wall and sees if it sticks. Uh, the gist of it says, though Trump is publicly broken with Mitch McConnell, he and his camp are now fighting to keep two of the top three GOP leaders in power, namely Kevin McCarthy and current RNC chair Ronna McDaniel. Susie Wiles and Brian Jack, top Trump advisors, are working hard to save Ronna. Which kind of goes in in contrast with some of the stuff I've heard. You know, a lot of uh, you know, the Trump world confidants and delegates frequent our show. We, we've become friends with a lot of them. I talk to them. I know personally that there's a couple people who are closely associated with the president who are working on Harmit's behalf. You know, I, I've I've asked and they've told me. So who knows? Every you know, unnamed sources closest to the source is always the biggest line of bullshit you'll ever hear. In addition to obviously. Revelations that have come down from the Twitter files disclosure that we've been getting slow dripped over the course of the past few weeks. And as we head into the eventual Dr. Fauci disclosure, which Elon Musk has tagged, is coming. I think that might be a Christmas present for everybody on Twitter. So probably coming closer to then because we saw Twitter files eight today, which showed CIA and DOD involvement with Twitter running. uh, (laughs) Yeah. Social media oh. application, PSYOP. So, Alan, it's another conspiracy theory that's confirmed. I saw yesterday Michael uh, Schellenberger, who was partially responsible for Part 7 dropping, about uh, talking about the FBI pressure on censorship across the board, even for the little shitposter accounts, was sitting down with Tucky. Let's hear him. Doing this now, Michael, thanks so much for coming on. So
15: there's, there's so many parts of this, and I hope that our, our audience will read what you've written about it. Um, but how would you summarize what you found? Sure. Well, it's going to be
1: with you, Tucker. Well, we spent a couple of weeks looking at a lot of the internal emails and Slack direct messages among employees at Twitter. And the picture you get is one of existing FBI agents outside of Twitter and former FBI officials joining Twitter. You mentioned the former general counsel of the FBI becoming the, uh, the deputy general counsel of Twitter. Also, the deputy chief of staff of the FBI went to Twitter. In fact, there were so many FBI officials at Twitter that they had their own internal messaging system, they actually had their own cue card to kind of train people going from FBI to Twitter. Lovely. And so there was this relentless pressure by external FBI agents on Twitter to basically adapt its uh, content moderation, also to share information. Then you had these forces inside Twitter, former FBI officials, particularly Jim Baker, who very strenuously argued for the censorship of the New York Post reporting on the Hunter Biden laptop. And the emails which showed these very questionable business dealings with China and other countries. So, Tucker, more investigative work needs to be done. But this looks like a kind of psychological operation that you would see the CIA conducting in foreign countries, not something that you would see intelligence agents in the United States perpetrating against both news organizations, but also social media platforms, namely Twitter and Facebook. It's a disturbing pattern that I think
15: our reporting today showed. So I mean, when I read what you wrote, I mean, it, se- it seemed exactly what you just said, like a classic intel op, but aimed at the American population. I mean, that's illegal, isn't it? Or am I naïve? Uh-
1: absolutely and there's some key facts that everybody every american should know about this is not a partisan issue you do not want your most important police organization the fbi politicized and engaging in dirty campaign tricks people need to know that the fbi had this laptop belonging to hunter biden in december of 2019
3: you then have so you're saying they're fucking liars it's so much bigger (laughs) than the uh Often proposed Washington field office narrative to the seventh floor of the FBI building. It's so much bigger than that. It seems like this whole Twitter banhammer department had like a San Francisco FBI office wing. I also thought it was pretty funny that he said, like, when you separate from the agency, the FBI, and go into like the big tech sector, namely Twitter in this instance, you get like a cue card. I wonder how that reads. Is it like the guide for the recently deceased from Beetlejuice? (laughs) (laughs) So you're no no longer a Fed. Don't worry, we'll help you out. Um, I I can't think, and part of Twitter File 7 that came out was the FBI's choosing, once they were put under the microscope by the Russiagate investigation, how they lashed out throughout the other intelligence agencies, Uh, office of the DNI, DHS, and then reached out through social media to try and crush this narrative ahead of the Mueller investigation. Two of our best friends, again, names come up in this stuff that's going on with the Twitter files as all roads do lead back to the Russiagate, the completely fabricated mess that started this whole you know, ball in the temple of the Indiana Jones movie rolling towards the American public that we're currently still under right now. Cash Patel and Devin Nunes. Cash Patel jumped on with John Solomon yesterday to talk about some of this and more. Let's hear him.
9: That's what went on in that meeting and what Rosenstein threatened that I think now looks very prescient in light of what we learned from these documents.
20: Yeah, this is one of those meetings you just never forget. As a senior staffer, you're in there with the attorney general, with the director of the FBI, with the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, and a few other staffers on each side. And what we were trying to do was professionally work through the subpoenas and the backlog of documents they had s- supposed to give us. Remember, these are the subpoenas that gave you the Bruce Or 302s, the FISA warrants that were ultimately rescinded, and all of the Woods files that we now know were corrupted when they took to the FISA court. This is what was happening. And in this one meeting in particular, Rob Lozenstein, who's known for losing his temper, had did so before, and in this meeting screamed at the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee and myself, and he literally said verbatim, if you're gonna continue this investigation, I'm gonna subpoena you and your records. Looking at the chairman, of the House Intelligence Committee and looking at his senior counsel and chief investigator on the Russiagate host, directing that at us. And Chris Le- Ray sat there in deafening silence. And your readers can follow what happened afterwards. There's three separate stories. First, DOJ denied that he ever said that. Then they backtracked and said, oh, no, that's not what he said. And then the third time they finally admitted it, that he said that, but he was kidding. Just, just hang on to that. The attorney general and the Department of Justice were joking about threatening to subpoena us well now we know five years later they had already done it months beforehand and he let it slip because he's known for having a bad temper when you call out his corrupt activities and it's just should shock everybody and especially in this atmosphere me as a former guy at doj as a terrorism prosecutor to to learn of this it's just the beginning john is what i'm trying to tell your audience what other subpoenas did they send out? Who else did they investigate on my team and Devin's team? And what was their justification for it? Because we were revealing the biggest scandal in FBI DOJ history. They, they were before true to their word. One. They said they were going to come after us, and now we know they did, and you can show the audience the subpoena
3: I got. Yeah, so so there you go. The biggest scandal in FBI history before this one, because this is a doozy. Uh, fabricating the Russiagate nonsense and uh, coming off the back of Spygate to try and stop Donald Trump from winning the presidency in 2016 kind of fails in comparison to what they did in 2020 as the Twitter files continue to reveal that it was like there is a federal agency, the DNC, congressional Republicans and Democrats, big tech, mainstream media, every labor union on the planet, all coordinated to make sure that Donald Trump didn't win the presidency and he was still able to get 12 million more votes than he did. In the uh, and they were
0: shocked. 2016 yeah. election, yeah, they never thought it was going to happen. There's no way.
3: They're like, there's no way, no. And uh, <laughs> you know, it's 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 crazy to see, uh, you know, all this stuff come out with the actual receipts. So as as Nunes and Cash Patel led everybody down the rabbit hole that was the RussiaGate scandal, the Department of Justice and the FBI was issuing subpoenas to spy on them to see how far ahead of the narrative they can get um, throughout the course of this. While it was going on, and in our last audio clip of the day, uh, Cash Patel's—what would you call him? I don't want to say bosom buddy. They are a dynamic duo. Apparatchiks. <laughs> I'll allow it. Devin Nunez jumped on with Tucker last night to talk about this as well. Let's hear one of our favorite former congressmen and current CEO of True Social. Are out of control. And have hollowed out democracy
15: to the point where it's not recognizable. Here's a shocking story. New reporting tonight from John Solomon at the website Just the News reveals that DOJ began spying on the U.S. Congress in 2017. Specifically, DOJ sought grand journey subpoenas for the personal emails of at least two staffers on the House Intel Committee, including Kash Patel. Now, this is right around the time the House Intel Committee was probing the Russia collusion hoax. Now, Devin Nunes, you would think would be beyond attack by the agencies since he was the chairman of the House Intel Committee at the time. He was the guy overseeing the intel agencies. But it looks like he wasn't, we now know. Devin Nunes joins us tonight. Congressman, thank you so much uh, for coming on. Great so to be with you. It, I, I, I should say, it looks like you were spied upon as well. Um, what, what do you make of this? now that we know it for sure.
9: Well, look, at this point, at this point Tucker, it appears to be that it's not just a couple staff. It looks like it probably is more. We only have a couple subpoenas at this point. So we're this is probably just the tip of the iceberg. And and what this is is by remember, they targeted my lawyers. So and, and if you go back to the time frame, what was happening? We were in a brawl with the Department of Justice and the FBI because we caught them. Yep. Spying on the Trump campaign and other Republican operatives in 2016 that continued on to 2017. At this time, we had confronted high level folks at the highest level of the Department of Justice and the FBI saying that, look, we think you guys might have a problem here too. Uh, Maybe you should recuse yourself. Maybe you shouldn't be involved. You would have thought they would have got to the bottom of it. But instead, what they did is they did this cute little way of reverse targeting me. BY GOING AFTER MY STAFF TO FIGURE OUT HOW DID WE KNOW THIS INFORMATION? WHAT WERE WE GOING TO DO WITH THIS INFORMATION? and THIS WAS ALL JUST MONTHS BEFORE WE MADE THIS ALL PUBLIC THAT THE FBI USED THE CLINTON AND DNC DIRT TO SPY ON TRUMP AND THE TRUMP CAMPAIGN.
15: YOU CAN'T HAVE A DEMOCRACY IN WHICH UNELECTED BUREAUCRATS WITH GUNS CONTROL ELECTED OFFICIALS. THAT IS NOT A DEMOCRACY. Why does no one burn this down and start again? It's, it's the most serious possible threat. It's a much greater threat than any foreign government. Why does no one ever do anything about this?
9: Well, well look, we, we tried Tucker, and you know we made 14 criminal referrals. I assume John Durham has that. Now look, a lot of these referrals did involve lying and misleading Congress, obstruction of justice. These are all things. if I'm John Durham, I know that they're trying to close him down. The Biden administration is CLOSE him down, but I think Congress, my former colleague, should be pushing this information. Ask Durham to look at this because this is clearly in the realm of what John Durham's scope was to look at. And I know he brought some cases in D.C. against against citizens. Uh, he has yet to bring any charges against the very people who we trust with these with these really uh, high-level powers uh, that appear to well, not appear they did. I mean, they turned it against the United States Congress to try to figure out, yeah. either to try to figure out what we were doing or try to get blackmail on us.
15: You, you, and, and it's very
3: clear that members of Congress are being blackmailed.
15: I, I can say that maybe you can't, but it's true, as you know. Devin Nunes, I appreciate you coming on tonight. Yeah. Thank you for bringing this.
3: We always appreciate hearing the former Congressman Steak for Breakfast appreciator.
15: Mm-hmm.
3: Devin Nunes right there. But, I mean, that's it. It's like they act, we uncover, we investigate. And then they go after you. It's spying. It's collusion. It's intimidation. It's blackmail. It's lawfare. And next thing you know, you're broke. Your book's not selling. And they're on to the next one.
0: Yep.
3: It's like, not only are they the the worst of our federal intelligence and law enforcement agencies, they are like locusts who are leaving nothing in their wake. And, um... I don't even know at this point what trying to burn it down would even do. Uh, what do you try to do? Investigate them and attempt to like re-regulate the FBI and the DOJ. And then they just start investigating and arresting everybody till there's no yeah, left. Could,
0: you can burn it down, but it's going to be like cockroaches in a nuclear war. Like yeah. the, there's going to be some creepers in the shadows and cracks that are going to make it.
3: What an absolutely amazing time we're living in right now. And some of these reveals that we're getting, I mean, you could even tell when you're hearing Cash Patel and Devin Nunes, someone who thought they've seen it all. And uh, we'll always refer back to, you know, the players or the avenues that they've taken in regards to tying everything back to Rushing Gate. There was a little bit of surprise in both of their voices. Yeah. Yeah. That's saying, like, you know, they're going to investigate us. We're going to investigate them. So, and then they start shaking down their lawyers and being like, what do you got on these guys? What do they got on us?
0: It's like the Uno reverse card.
3: I do love the Uno reverse card. I also love (laughs) Alan Jacoby. Alan, thanks for jumping in with us today and guest hosting. It's always a pleasure having you on here. We'll see you again Friday. Uh, we've got a big lineup coming in there as well. And uh, you want to tell everybody else where they can find you on social media who might already be following?
8: It's always great to be here. Thanks, guys. Get me over on Truth Social, the Great Divide Podcast, and uh, Twitter. I'm, I'm more, most active on those two right now. Twitter, I'm Alan Jacoby, 1776. And you get my Rumble channel, go to 1776live.tv. Thanks again, guys.
3: Yeah, always a pleasure hosting you. And, of course, our listenership loves your commentary. Thanks for coming in today, Alan.
20: I appreciate it.
3: Although I wish the news cycle was a little bit more encouraging. Organizationally, not a bad way to start the week. What do you think, Noah? I've had
0: worse weeks. I think tonight's going to be the the best day of the week ever.
3: I know exactly what you mean. And if you like that and the Steak for Breakfast podcast and would like to hear the 196 other editions of the show, you can find us across every downloadable podcasting platform. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, PodAid, Google Podcast, FM Player, iHeartRadio, the Patriot Podcast Network on the Roku app, or even on Frank Speech. Subscribe to the show and rate it. Leave a review, and don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show creds go to all of our amazing guests today. We had Cynthia Hughes, the founder of the January 6th Patriot Freedom Project. Please get out and donate to them if you can during this holiday season. Make some of those lives that have been ripped apart feel a little bit more together as we enter Christmas week here. In addition to her... Boris Epstein, great friend of the show. He is a senior advisor to Trump 2024. Always great getting an update from him. And the former acting director of ICE under the Trump administration, Tom Holman. We did interview Dr. Malone this week. That's going to be coming out in a special edition of the show. You'll be hearing it tomorrow. So thanks for everybody coming out and spending some time with us. Speaking of uh, thanks, you want to give thanks to all of our partners. Because when you spend your hard-earned cash on their... Amazing products all you do is help make small American businesses great again, namely my pillow. Listen, it might be a little late in the tooth for Mike Lindell to stuff your stocking full of sleepy time comfort or delicious coffee. But if you're under promo code to take a checkout, you're still getting those big, big savings.
0: They'd probably rush it.
3: You could just say it was on back order and it'll be here soon. What's one more or two more bad nights of sleep or crappy mornings?
0: Are you saying a pillow IOU for Christmas? There you
3: go. Nice. Mypillow.com forward slash stake for anything sleep related. If you want the coffee, mystore.com forward slash stake, or you can always talk to a qualified pillow representative one 800 658 8045 The top tier of ear gear and the best damn headphones I've ever owned. They've piqued Raheem Kassam's curiosity. Still don't know, you better go check them out. Odyssey.com. If you're in the studio and you want to get serious, you need the best headphones available. You'll find them at odyssey.com. Find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. My Patriot Cigars, simple reminder. Alan is up the ante. You enter promo code STAKE here, you're getting 25% off your holiday order all the way through the new year. Every order over $100, free shipping, and a $10 e gift card is included with every purchase. MyPatriotCigars.com, a premium smoke for freedom loving Patriots. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has a pretty simple equation for all your gun related needs firearms, parts, ammo, and accessories. His newly redesigned, easy to use website is West He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone. 619 870 6992. Stay Ready Gear Holsters. What do we got this week, Noah? Hmm. Huh. Let's see. Tarred and feathered uh, Mayorkas. I like it. If you can drop that concept and send it to it, they'll throw it on a concealed carry Kydex holster and they'll get your orders out faster than ever before. StayReadyGear.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram. We love our first responders. And you're going to love everything that they've got in their store down at Mediocre Medic. Check them out at MediocreMedic.com. They're also on Instagram. Who else do we got? Oh, can't forget Man Rubs. have not had anything man rubbed yet this week. We had Chinese food yesterday. I think we're Apple. having chicken today, though. I'm, thank you, Tucker Carlson. <laughs> ManRubs.com is the website. Find the most deliciousness you can to rub on your meat. I think all we got left is uh, DumpBox.us you haven't gotten yourself a zero fucks duck a t-shirt a flag even a pin i've got one of everything in here say the very least what are you doing dumpbox.us is the website go give mark joe friday a holler you can find him on instagram find him on facebook upcoming shows we're coming back on friday last show before christmas Lexis Wilkins will be performing her Christmas rendition of her newest country single. Jake Denton from the Heritage Foundation will be here. And Vish Burra and Alex Brusiewicz are coming in to bring more MAGA than you can handle. Nice. Our 200th show is on the 30th of December. Last show of the year. Cash Mattel, Raheem Kassam, Mike Crispy, Alan Jacoby, Christina Bob, all scheduled. We'll see who else jumps in. Just start scheduling for next year. I've got a hard confirmation on former ambassador Rick Renell. He'll be here on the 6th. Of January. What else do we got? Friends of the Week, True Social Twitch Streamer Crew, Beastie Man 420, Siberian Kitten, CSM Master, Indiana Zoomer, some call me Tim79, also very active on there. Ghost Hammer, we love you, as do we, William S. Spoopy, you're always creeping. The Calvin Coolidge Project gets some props this week, as does GOP Josh, and we can't not mention the Upside Down Man. Can't forget some of the meme team either. Machiavelli memes, John Hacker LA, Madam America, Right Wing Savages, Let's Go Brenda, Dumbass Photoshop, That Southern Dude, Trad West, The Real Smokeahontas, and Mostly Peaceful Memes. Guys, things to remember between now and Friday. Number one, do your own research. Tom Holman actually provided me with some uh, interesting removal numbers today. They're now on a sticky note and sit on top of my computer monitor. Number two, start a podcast. Not too bad. I like it. Number three, let's start talking about American greatness again. The U.S. southern border is the antithesis of American greatness right now. We need to get it locked down. We need to get it secure. We need to stop the cartels from owning us. That's when we start talking about American greatness again. And last but certainly not least, let's see what happens. This has been episode 197 of Steak for Breakfast. We'll be back on Friday. Episode 198, Jake Denton, Alexis Wilkins, Fishburne, Alex Brusiewicz. On behalf of the pod team, Antoinette's already departed, Noah. Later. I'm Roan. Thanks for listening, and take care.
15: Oh, the silent majesty of a winter's morn, the clean, cool chill of the holiday air, and an asshole in his bathrobe emptying a chemical toilet into my sewer. (sighs) was full! Ah, yeah. You checked our shitters, honey?
7: Clark, please. He doesn't know any better.
15: You ought to know it's illegal. It's a storm sewer. If it fills with gas, I pity the person who lights a match within 10 yards of it.